Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It's alive. A gigantic beast stalking the earth, crushing all before it in a cyclonic cavalcade of electrifying horror. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Incredible Titan of Terror. Wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Jet flames cannot destroy it. Bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization? Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? For the answer, see Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. A tale to stun the mind. More fantastic than any ever written by Jules Verne. More terrifying than any ever shown on the screen. Awesome. Incredible. Unbelievable. A story beyond your wildest dreams. Dynamic violence. Savvy Jackson. Spectacular thrills. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief. The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I think all the money went into writing that trailer. I think that's the original... Well, I don't know. I'm not much of a Godzilla historian. That's Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which I think is the one with Raymond Burr. Tim Riley? I believe you're correct, yes. Right. Which I think, in turn, is then a recut of the Japanese original. And I don't think that they reshot it. I think they just recut it. I think they lopped the beginning and the end of the Gojira or whatever it is, the, the, the Japanese one, and they just stuck five minutes of a white man in the front and five minutes of a white guy at the end, and then they called it the American version. There you go. Fantastic. See, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I think I wish somebody would do a trailer like that for not, like, ret retroactively, like not a new trailer for an old film, but I wish somebody would market a new film with one of those, you know, you're watching the trailer and, that they throw the letters up on the screen, you know, see the horror unfold before your eyes. Witness and every and every action, every verb has an exclamation mark behind it, you know? Witness the destruction. See the terror. Recoil in horror. Well, maybe not. Uh hey, it's four minutes and eighteen seconds after the hour of eleven, and it's the month of January in the year of our Lord two thousand and eight. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are uh, live here on MLK Day at the uh, Rick Emerson uh, the thing and the show and the hay and the high. Hello there. And whatnot. Uh, anyway, it is uh, Monday. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 here on this uh, Monday. Richie Bristol is standing by ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the whatever. I want to say, by the way, it is now Monday, I think a full five days after the fact, and every third email that I get now is still about 7-Eleven and the derivation of their name. 
Uh, in the last 25 minutes alone, I have received one, two, three, four, seven, nine different emails about from whence the name 7-Eleven derives. Clearly, that's where the ratings are. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, if you would like to be part of our program today, telephonically speaking, with your comments, your questions, your clarifications, kvetches, uh, Cloverfield thoughts, what have you. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Call the... Uh, no, I don't even know why I would do that. Call... call I don't, they're not request lines. Are they call-in lines? Phone-in lines? Send your email. Call the screener. Weigh in. Call the hit lines now. <laughs> well, it used to be so easy because it was called a request line or a hit line or the power line. I worked at one station where it was the jam line for no readily apparent reason. Call-in line sounds so bland. We need to come up with a better name for our phones here because how am I supposed to refer to them in an exciting manner? Call the talk line. Talk line sounds lame. There's got to be some way to refer to the phone lines here. Call-in line isn't bad. Call-in line is okay, but it just seems so bland. It seems so matter-of-fact. You know? It doesn't scream. It doesn't have any sort of panache like rock line. Call the rock line. Call the, um... I'll have to think of it. In any event, call the phone number. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 here on this MLK Day. If you'd like to email us, you can do that as well. It's Rick at... Uh, RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, we have tales of the fantastical and gripping today. Uh, Steve Kastamon is going to be joining us from New York City, uh, recently destroyed by a large reptilian beast. Um, it would have been so easy to go right into the whole thing about Hillary Clinton's visit to New York today. If I could have just done the... Large reptilian beast, New York. Bam, Hillary Clinton. Sort of humor is beneath me, though. Uh, anyway, so Hillary is there today. Uh, so we'll talk to Steve Kastamab about that. Um, and in fact, I'm going to talk to him about Cloverfield, too, because uh, it takes place in New York. And I don't know to what extent. I don't know how much they filmed there. And I, I get the feeling that most of it is just is real footage. And then they just did a little bit of CGI after the fact. It has set the January box office record with $41 million. You know why? Because it was badass. It was so good. <laughs> That's why. Because <laughs> it's righteous. I, wanted, I almost went and saw it for a second time yesterday. i got to tell you, I, part, of me, part of me doesn't want to see it again because it was just so tense. I mean, just in a, you know, in a, and I'm, I'm nobody's idea of, uh, of a weakling when it comes to films, but boy, goddamn, you get out of there and your stomach's just all knotted up. And it did remind me of, well, we'll talk more about it here in a, in a few minutes. I went to see There Will Be Blood, and it was outstanding. Which I, I tried to see both of them back-to-back. -back. I tried to see Cloverfield and There Will Be Blood back-to-back, -back, and it was, the, you know, the frustrating thing where the, 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 the times overlap, like, just enough. So, like, Cloverfield ended, like, 15 minutes after There Will Be Blood started. And I didn't want to miss the first 15 minutes of There Will Be Blood. So I'm going to see that either tonight or tomorrow because the reviews are bad. And I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, that guy couldn't make a bad movie if you put a gun to his head. And apparently Daniel Day-Lewis is just fantastic. Yes. And plus you get to see that Cinema 21. And the people who go to Cinema 21 behave better than the general population. That really is true. Every time. Man, you go there and you, and you just sort of feel smart sitting in that place anyway. And by the way, uh, I, and please uh, forgive me because I forgot her name, but the woman who manages Cinema 21, big fan of ours. Uh, and her name escapes me at the moment, but um, the, the woman who manages that whole joint is a uh, is a listener. Because so, if you eavesdrop on the conversations you hear, I just flew in from 
New York. Oh, really? I just enjoyed a vacation in the Bahamas. As opposed to as opposed to seeing something at Lloyd Center, which will, yeah, I'm going to go play that uh, crane grab game when we're done here, see if I can win that pink pig. You better put that knife away. <laughs> and I told him, if you don't pay your support, I'm going to have the law come pick you up. Or whatever. Something like that. Anywho, Steve Kastenbaum will join us today. Uh, James Roop joining us from Los Angeles, where the Oscars now hang by a perilous thread. Um, let's see, a triple, yes, a triple snuff watch today. We have one, two, three different snuff watches happening today. Uh, let's see, corpse watch from Chile. Uh, it's a great corpse watch. It's, it's a corpse watch not like the ones we normally have. It is sort of different. Uh, so we'll get to that. I'm trying not to be distracted by these specs that are sitting over on the counter by Tim. Hold on. The what? There's these white specks on the counter. They were bothering me. You know what? I I, I, went over, I went over this with one of those little alcohol things, and I must have missed that. That's okay. That's I okay. Scrubbed it, I scrubbed my keys, my mouse, my off, on, and cough buttons in my counter. It's okay. No, you, you, you always rest assured that if there are white specks of some kind on the counter, my I will see them and obsess over them until I'm compelled to go over and clean them off. Thank you. I did not see them. That's okay. You know what? But, you know, I've started to do your thing in the kitchen. I've started to go in in the kitchen in the mornings mm -hmm. and get, like, a paper towel down and get some soap and... And start cleaning the counter in the kitchen. It's become a thing I do. Uh, Aaron Geek in the city. Duran will be joining us in the studio later on today because he has no life and his wife is out of town. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, oh, we have a fantastic, and by fantastic I mean awful, fast food story. Um, and Tim, Tim and I, Tim and I both saw it today. We both pulled the story. We're like, look, this is great. So, um, and it comes to us from a place called St. John's. Let's see uh, what else. Uh, well, some other crime. Home of Reversing Falls. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Tim Bradley working on the following news stories for edification on this Martin Luther King Day. Well, people went crazy over the weekend. Yes, they did. Uh, first, the bone-chillingly cold could produce some snow below the 500-foot level by Thursday. Scapoose police. I should say an off-duty Portland police officer in Scapoose. Shoots an armed, drug-crazed lunatic, shoeless and shirtless, wrapped in American flag, who went on a shooting spree. Okay. Then another nutcase uh, goes on a stabbing spree, terrorizing a neighborhood in Oregon City. It's almost like something out of a Woody Allen movie, really. Uh, the Inquirer was right. Suzanne Plachette passed away over the weekend. So that was her final photo. Well done, Inquirer. Yep. Uh, today is declared the gloomiest day of the year. A trimet driver is hit by a passenger who refused to pay the fare. A man goes on a chainsaw rampage in Missouri. Jesus. Oh, my God. Yep. And it's the I Have a Dream guy's birthday. And fortunately for investors, the stock market is closed today. Yes. So it continues to spiral. My wife called me in a panic. Not in a panic. That's the wrong way to put it. Oh, but... no. There are some people in this room who are in a panic today. <laughs> my wife uh, called me on uh, Thursday or Friday. You know, she's in Panama spending all her money. That's wonderful. Um, she called me. She's like, have you seen the stock market today? And I said, yeah, I'm trying to think about it. The best part, somebody sent me a juxtaposition of two headlines. Uh -huh. One was, I wish I could remember the actual, but it was two headlines on Yahoo News back to back. One of them was like, you know, George Bush, like, visits stock market, gives assurance to investors. Below that, like, stock market implodes, prices plummet everywhere. So, well, I looked at a couple of my accounts and said, minus, minus what? Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like it's going to be retiring a few years later than originally expected. I know. And we have all that money in Halliburton. Even that's not doing well. Well, what can you do? You know, when war doesn't, it doesn't help you profit, then you know something's really wrong with the world. When you can't even make money on war. 
Jesus. And uh, things were going so well for a while. <laughs> so floatingly well. Isn't that, isn't that the way it always is with us? Things were going so well for for a while. And now, no. Well, let's put it out of our minds. But th- that was the headline on Drudge today was, thank God the market is closed or something. And thank God it's a holiday. I mean, I rebooted just to make sure that those figures <laughs> were correct. Am I, getting, am I getting stock info from 1929? <laughs> You're in. I just pictured him in his own office with one of those like ticker tape things coming out of that like big dome glass thing. Just you know, just oh my God, Dow is down fifty. You know, and then like looking for a building somewhere to jump off of. Well, I figured, wait, it can't be like that on all my accounts. So I log on to the, oh my God. Oh no, it's like that on all your accounts. Yes, yes, it's, yes. It's, it's well, I didn't want to retire anyway. I'm having such a great time going. I couldn't possibly think of doing such a thing. Yeah. Yeah, the best part is that my wife called and we were talking about the stock market and all the. God, I sound like such a such a, a, a whatever, such a yuppie. But uh, the, my my wife called and we were talking about the implosion of the stock market, and then she ends the call with, "Well, okay, I gotta go. I'm getting a facial and a pedicure done at this Panamanian spa place for like nine million dollars." I'm like, "All right." And she's like, "And then I'm, you know, and then tomorrow we're going on a cruise to a coffee plantation. Well, I, where I'll then spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on souvenirs." I'm like, "All right, that's fine." You I'll might just, as well spend it before you lose it. Who's going to say, I'll just stay here and eat some fish sticks. Jesus. Join the days, are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you Hello. today? Hello. Uh, you like... sound a little husky today. No, I had a really long weekend. By long, do you mean drunken? Yes. Your voice, you just sounded your voice sounds a little scratchy. I think I'm getting a, a little a little bit of sickness. Plus, I think I made myself sick because I rode my bike to work today. I'm impressed. I, have I to didn't tell you, it was like 10 degrees outside. Seriously, no lie. I mean, we always talk about court and Becca, but let's be honest. They're better people than we are. Mm-hmm. It no longer surprises me that they bicycle. It still impresses me. It doesn't surprise me. I am both impressed and surprised that you bicycled to work today. I just felt so lazy all weekend. And then, like, yesterday I ate Taco Bell, and I'm just feeling like a giant fat person. So yeah. I'm like, you know, you know what? I'm like, it's beautiful outside. It's not that cold until I get get, you know, halfway to work and I can't feel my ears at Totally. All. Do you have one of those, um, the ear wrap things? Mm-mm. Oh, man, I have an extra one. I can give it to you if you want. Okay. It's like, it's like a, not a sweatband, it's the wrong way to put it, but it's like a headband, but it's designed so that it goes around your forehead and then it cut, cuts down and goes over your ears. Huh. It's, I mean. Sounds it, like that must look pretty cool. It doesn't. It makes you look like a tool. <laughs> I but I, but it, it is specifically designed to keep the wind off your ears when you bicycle. Okay. Keeps your ears very warm. Oh, that would be great, yeah. yeah I, I think I've got not an extra feeling, one. Yeah, it was like, I think I made myself sick, honestly, like, getting, you know, riding my bike to work and then getting Ugh. here and, ugh, it's too yeah. cold. Well, at least but you're hungover. Had, yes, I had a fun, long weekend. Would you like to share any of the details of that? <sighs> Probably not. Okay. <laughs> no. Done and done. Delane was in town this weekend, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. she pregnant? No. You sure? Positive. Well, she probably couldn't be anymore after this weekend. <laughs> Just nothing but trampolines and red wine. I don't know. I'm sorry. I feel like I made myself stupid. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not making you know it's a holiday, stupid. Sarah. You're oh yeah, that's right. Huh? I mean, clearly the, the phone lines are full, so clearly there are people listening, but they're probably drunk too, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you look fantastic, though. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> I can't give a compliment. <laughs> How could I possibly look fantastic? Oh, well, like, the light is low. <laughs> Nine ten. And I think I'm wearing, like, eye makeup on one eye. <laughs> I did notice you had, like, a big black chunk of something, like, in the middle of your nose. I have, like, that. eyeliner in one eye and not the other. And I was going to do it. I'm like, nobody's here. No, seriously. I don't care. I came here. here I, and you know what? Can I, I thought I, everyone was fired when I came to the parking lot. Can before. I tell you this? I also, and to his credit, Dennis Pitsenbarger is working upstairs. I forgot it was a holiday. And I'm, you know, whatever. Because, you know, that we work, you know, a good chunk of the holidays anyway. And, and, and MLK Day... And there's no knock on anybody, but it's one of those holidays that you never really know, right? Because some people take it off, 
basically the government and CBS apparently, and some people don't. And so it's it is like certain holiday, like Veterans Day is another one of those where a lot of businesses are open, a lot of mart. So I pull into the parking lot this morning, and Susan Reynolds is my benchmark for whether I am late or early to the office because she's man, she's Johnny on the spot, like eight thirty, like eight twenty nine. She's here. I pull in, no Susan Reynolds, and I thought, that's weird. Maybe it's snowing up at Sylvan again. Maybe there's, uh, maybe her kids are late getting to school. And I walk into the office, and I'm like, Bridget's not here either. I'm the first one here. And I felt like um, like Clark uh, Griswold getting to Wally World. First one's here. <laughs> and I'm walking around the office feeling like, look at me. Look how fantastic I am. I, everybody else is late. I'm going to get lots done. And then, like, and then I was looking at the parking lot at like 8.55. I'm answering email. I'm sending off memoranda. You know, and just... There's nobody doesn't seem to be anything much happening today. Shouldn't people be out selling? Maybe they're all out selling. Maybe that's why they're not here. And then Dennis walks by my office. He's like, hey, I forgot it was a holiday. And I thought, God, and then it all came to me. I completely forgot that it was a holiday. So I got out of bed at like 7.30 this morning for no reason. Shaved, showered, made sure to iron my clothing, neatly pressed, coming to work. I got here at like 8.20 this morning. It's nothing. Nothing happening. Not one thing. So... I mean, I was here on time. I was early, productive, didn't get anything done. So, um, anyway, so there you go. So, yeah, it's a holiday, and I completely forgot about it. Mm-hmm. So, don't feel bad. I've been, I, I've, I've been here, like, for, forever getting nothing done because there's no one here to, to help me do anything. Um, and we're done. All right. Anyway, but it is a holiday, and we're here, and hello. We'll get the, these uh, uh, calls here in just a sec. Oh, I should know, by the way, in case you smell something uh, frilly. That's me. I'm in fact wearing my wife's antiperspirant today because I realized I was out of mine. I didn't Are discover. Are you serious? What am I going to do? Not wear antiperspirant and stink? Would you? I would. I would think that you'd rather stink than walk around smelling like a lady. What no. happened to Sex Panther? That's well. I could just spritz in your armpits. That's all you need. Um. And don't you smelling like a lady? I heard you were smelling like a lady. Uh. The uh. No. I mean, I woke up. But you know that thing. You know, because you don't really like. How do I put this? When the antiperspirant, you know, I wear like what, you know, whatever, like speed sticker, you know, some, something like that. But it's not in a clear plastic container. The, the plastic container is like orange or whatever. So that you can't, somebody really ought to market this, by the way. An antiperspirant, like a men's underarm stick or whatever, that has like a little clear strip down the center where you can see into it and see how much is left. I mean, they really ought to do that. Because you never know, right? You never know until you turn the thing, and then suddenly no more comes up. And then you're doing that thing. I don't know, Sarah, if you use like a roll-on or a spray or whatever it is, but that thing when you're putting it underneath your arms and the, pl- the plastic like, yeah. is scraping, and you're like, oh, you know, and it's like your only choice is that or none. Or to like, I've actually done this before. Actually, I'll roll up, the, you know, I'll turn the knob at the bottom of the antiperspirant. None comes out. I realize I'm not. So I will actually reach in there around the edge and like pull it out with my hand. And actually, like, hold the actual physical, like, block of antiperspirant in my hand and, like, use that the final day. Because I don't want to smell. I don't want you to offend with body if odor. If you're going to such great lengths to, like, take apart, like, disassemble your deodorant and everything, <laughs> wouldn't you, like, uh, understand the fact that it's probably going to run out soon and Rob. you'd go and buy another no, one? No, but I'm saying, like, you don't realize it until it's already run out. And so sometimes there have been days when it's run out, it's like snuck up on me, and I have to get to work, though, no time to go to the store. So I will, like, pry it out of the container and rub that under my arm and then wash my hands because I don't want to – because I'd rather do that in the privacy of my bathroom and be retarded for ten minutes at home disassembling my antiperspirant than come to work and be like, hey, do you suppose he knows he smells like ass? So anyway, that that didn't work today. So luckily, uh, Lara had not taken her antiperspirant to Panama. I guess you just smell down there all the time. So what's the point? Um, and so I put on her like Dove or whatever. So I I do smell all fresh and womanly today. 
in case you should wonder. Uh, all right. Um, well, before we do anything else, let's get these calls and we'll talk Cloverfield. Uh, then later on, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hello. Calling about your phone line. Yes. Well, I, I think what the problem is is you don't have the specific makeup of a greedy capitalist Gene Simmons marketing guy. Because you obviously need to sponsor your phone line and call it the Diesel Hotline. Now we actually now I do believe that this the phone line is actually for sale. I can't be sure about that. I have to look at the uh, the sales the one sheets as they're called upstairs. But I do believe. This phone line, or maybe it's the guest line that like Lisa and Jim Roop and those guys come in. I think our guest line is for sale, actually. So it could be like the Staples, you know, like the Staples Center. It could be like the Viso call-in line or like the uh, the Les Schwab call-in line. I'm pretty sure that our phone lines are for sale. If you ask the sales department, I'm pretty sure they will. So you, sir, if you wanted to plunk down a few grand, you actually might be able to buy uh, one of the phone lines for yourself for a while. That would be awesome. Just so you know. I'll call it the... Geeks on Patrol. There Online. you go. All right, we'll start saving. Thanks. Thank you. Mm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hello. How are you guys? Hey. Thanks for being there today, by the way. Well, it's what we do. Um, listen, you've heard of, you know what a rip line is? No. Well, a rip line where you go on a cable from tree to tree to tree in a harness and you slide down the thing? Sure. Yeah? Well, instead of a rip line, call it the Rick line. Hmm. You know, for your phone? Yeah. <laughs> for the phone, you're saying? Yes. All right. Um, well, we'll put that on the list. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. No. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, you know, it's bad form of the movie theaters to put the movies so close together that you can't sneak into one. Bastards. I know. I really... And the thing is, I would have paid, though. I really would have paid and gone right from Cloverfield to There Will Be Blood. There was well, just no, uh, you know... I wanted to point out that I faced the same the, the, the dilemma at the same theater that uh, movies were put so poorly together that you couldn't sneak in. So yeah, well, and again, I, I'm not even averse to paying. It's like I would, you know, it's it's just like a, you know, it takes so much to get me out of the house to the movies these days. I'd rather just sit at home and watch it on my television. Um, like for example, and I did pay to go see Cloverfield, but I, I will tell you, if I Whatever the ticket cost me, like 12 bucks or whatever the hell. Yeah. If I could have just paid the 12 bucks and watched it in my living room, I would have paid that. So, I mean, I, it, you know, the theater experience now is just so, there's so little to make it better than the home experience. I would pay the same and maybe even a little more to watch it in the comfort of my living room. And I think that day is coming soon. Well, you know, when I went, the place was full and about half of them were teenage kids who were bored to death. Right. And it was just, it was like a circus in there. No, and, it's uh, just a bunch of savages, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the movie was excellent. Oh, uh, yeah, Cloverfield was really, really good. It was fantastic. I, I thought the way they filmed it was, was, was going to be annoying, but it was really, really built tension with, you know, the way they did it. I think and, uh, unless you have motion sickness, which I don't ever get. I'm lucky I just don't get car sick. I don't get motion sick. I don't seasick or anything like that. Uh, it, 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 your brain adjusts to it within about ten minutes. Like, it's yeah. irritating for the first ten, and then your brain just kind of goes, Ting, and you sort of... You sort of, you know, you, you yeah. hone into it or whatever, and it, and it, it works. Yeah, um, and, and yeah. the idea of what you don't see is more terrifying than, than what you do see, that really worked, too. No, it did. the Cloverfield really, and I, we today will be spoiler-free, by the way. We won't spoil anything. But um, I will say that Cloverfield works really well because they structure it on the Jaws model, which is... Because the movies movies always get it wrong, right? They either do the stupid Blair Witch thing where they never, ever, ever show you the scary thing. Or they do, 
One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life is The Haunting with Lily Taylor, which is where... I've seen that. That is a terrible movie. It's the movie. worst movie. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. And that, that's where they go the opposite, where they nothing is hidden. It's just tons of bad CGI, and where the house at one point literally forms itself into a face that's staring at her. And they just can't resist showing everything with the CGI. Cloverfield does it the Jaws way, which is you see hints, a fin here, you know, uh, the snout there, you know, and then at the end, the whole shark finally jumps out, and you kind of go, Wah! But you only see bits and pieces for the first 90 minutes. Cloverfield does it that way, and it is genius. Or, or just hearing the walking of the... Oh. Totally. Uh, you know, when they're down in that basement or down in the subway. Oh, yeah. Know. No, I'm, I'm with you. That was cool. It really is a great film. I'll probably see it again. But, uh, you know, don't complain to the management that their uh, movies aren't staggered enough that you can steal from them. No. So. Yeah, I'll be sure to put it just that way. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, that movie Hi. was so scary. Oh, Cloverfield? Oh, yeah. man. And no. even think like, monster movie sounds so, it sounds silly. You know, it's like, oh, it's a scary monster movie. But even I was walking Muppet when I got home. And it was dark outside. And I was, I was pretty terrified as I was walking home. I saw Cloverfield downtown. And on the way back, I was taking the Ross Island Bridge. And Portland is a beautiful city, so as I always do, I turn and I look at the horizon of downtown where you see all the buildings. And I swear to God, I expected to see some huge tentacled freakish beast destroying the city. It was really freaky. It was, I mean, yeah, it was it was great. Oh, and, and while we're talking, we'll get this call here in a second. While we're talking about it, I just made this note to myself. Um, Lizzie Kaplan. I don't know who she is. I think everybody in the movie is an unknown, right? It is all yeah, unknown. No, except for the girl, um, the one who's bleeding from the eyes. Yeah, Lizzie Kaplan. That's yeah, her. Yeah, okay, yeah. Boy, hot as balls. Girl. She, really? She is stunning. She is so freaking gorgeous. I mean, everybody in the movie is a pretty person. Mm -hmm. uh, even the HUD the camera guy, even though he's a little chubby, he's, you know, he's a good looking guy. She is unbelievably beautiful. I'm a big fan of hers. Also... She's a great actress, too. Yeah, and also that girl who played Lily, uh, the sort of like Mediterranean looking girl, mm -hmm. she was beautiful, too. Oh, yeah. uh, but that Lizzie Kaplan, I'm a big fan of her. She was in Mean Girls. Oh, I've never seen Mean Girls. Oh, it's that's a great movie. Is it good? Oh yeah, All right. I actually own it. I okay, like it. I gotta watch that at some point. Yeah, I'm a I'm I'm her biggest fan. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, there it's him. Hello, hi. Uh, 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 you, you shouldn't use your wife's deodorant. Uh, I, I I must argue that walnuts uh, is strong enough for a man. It is it is made for a woman. I think that's secret. This is Dove, sir. Okay. Uh, all right, Norbit. Uh, you're an HBO heaven man, aren't you? Okay, now Norbit is on HBO like as I speak. Constantly. Yeah, no, it's been on H it's been on HBO like every five hours for the last four days. And and I guess they have the just the call to display it today and honor our Martin Luther King. That's exactly how Martin Luther King would want to be remembered. Eddie Murphy in a fat suit embodying every horrible black stereotype that has ever been in a motion picture. And and the fascinating documentary or documentary, The Making of Norbit. <laughs> uh, and and, and it, it, I don't know if you saw uh, Carrot Top's film, uh, Chairman of the Board. No. It, it makes that film look like uh, oh, no, it's, yeah, Citizen Kane. Um, we're, having, we're having problems with our cable, or at least I am. Uh, be, I think it's because of the weather. Um, and so so my HBO has been a little scrambly for the last day, and I, I still wasn't able to. I, I taped The Wire two different times last night. The Wire, which in my opinion is the best show on TV right now. It's, I taped it two different times. Both of them garbled. And so I tried again this morning. I set it to take three different showings of The Wire while I'm at work today so I can watch it when I get home. But, man, every, I was, you know, and I get, like, nine different HBOs because I have the digital cable or whatever, and every single one of them was showing Norbit today. Every single one. I mean, it's insane. I don't know really. There's like a, a lot of pent-up Norbit desire out there. 
By the way, I got to give my name, and this is Randy in Vegas. Oh, and, Randy uh, in Vegas, yes. And I, I got it. Last thing, speaking of their will be blood, which you were just talking about. Yes. Uh, that Britney photo. Uh, you know the uh, the thing is, <laughs> you know I I know why it made such news. Uh, this whole Britney thing. Yes. Uh, it, it, because you know the the ruling is in news. If it's leads, it leads. Anyway, uh, I regret nothing. Uh, eat your soul. Thanks, Rick. Bye now. Uh, if it bleeds, it leads. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Kristen says she had to close her eyes for big chunks of time because she gets motion sickness. I, and by the way, I uh, sat as far back from the screen as I could because Court gave us that heads up. He's like, don't let it fill your whole field of vision. Uh, so I sat almost all the way at the back wall of the theater uh, to see Cloverfield. Uh, a couple observations about my Aaron's going to be in later this hour. We'll talk more, or later in the show, we'll talk more about Cloverfield then. Um, Cloverfield. I made this note to myself, I sw- and I swore to myself that I would remember what this meant. Um, Cloverfield, FX. I have no idea what that means. It can't be about the special effects. That would be uh, That's not something I would even care to comment on. I have no idea what that note means. Hmm. Cloverfield, FX. Well, whatever. Well, the uh, monster was really scary. The monster was fantastic. Mm. The monster was really great. Not cheesy because there's so much crap CGI. Um, you know, and it was That's so right. built up. I oh, thought it was going to be. I, I honestly didn't think that it would be scary at all. I low. I won't say I lowered my expectations because that makes it sound like some idiot. That makes me sound like one of those dumb Americans who goes, "Well, if you enjoy Transformers, if you just go in knowing it's going to be dumb, uh, it's not man. It's not lowering expectations. It's realizing what kind of film it's going to be and what kind of film it's not. In other words, it's not going to be a big. It's not going to be a big, glossy, again, filled with CGI where they show you everything, run-of-the-mill crap uh, Hollywood popcorn blockbuster film. In fact, it's exactly the opposite of a regular popcorn film. It is going to be very, very, uh, uh, I hate the word gritty, but it's very gritty, very, uh, you know, you are there, very sort of low-budget, very indie feeling. And it is, and it's freaky, man. I mean, it's at the, it's one of those movies where at the end, you just realize that your stomach has been knotted up for about mm-hmm. 90 minutes. Like, like the movie ended, and I kind of went, Ugh. and I, re- I realized I've been holding my breath for, you know, on and off for like 20 minutes. Um, the monster was the the worst part for me was the other things the smaller yeah well I, I don't think we're giving spoilers away if I say a couple of things um, first of all I mean everybody because knows there's a the monster preview. yeah I saw the preview and you see some of the yeah th- there's there's a big monster and then there's some smaller monsters and again we'll we'll keep it spoiler free but I mean it, you know it's it's basically like a Godzilla style film but then there are some other smaller monsters as well and those things are unnerving oh man right out of the mist those are the things that took John Lee. I mean, it's it's all kinds of freaky. Um, and let me just say one final thing about Cloverfield, and then we'll break. Uh, we got to do some other stuff. We'll come back with Steve Kastenbaum, etc. I haven't even talked this horrible. This, not it's not horrible, but this sort of sad, retarded story about my dog. Um, I probably won't get to that today. But let me go on for a minute about. Did you watch Cloverfield all the way to the end? Oh yeah. To the very end, no, past not the, the credits. Very end. No. Oh, you missed. You missed out. I got something. I. Mm. Well, I have something to play. I have something to play for you. That is from the very end of the film, after the credits. Oh darn it! And I'm you wondering know, I if I should. Like I should have stayed. The thing is, it's not really a spoiler. I don't think. I don't think it counts as a spoiler. 
Well, do you to want to tell me it. off the air? Then... Nah, I'll have to think on it. But uh, let me just say this. That score that they play, because there's almost no music in the film, because the whole film basically is a home movie. And so the only music is incidental music, meaning whatever would happen to be on in the background on the radio or on a, you know, uh, you know, on a, whatever somebody, like there's a party, and so there's like whatever music is playing at the party. But the movie doesn't have a score. In fact, once they leave the apartment, which is about 20 minutes in, there's no music for the rest of the film. There's no score of the film. But then over the closing credits, there's this score just called the Cloverfield Overture, which is just unbelievable. I mean, I stayed through the entire closing credit sequence just to hear the score, which hasn't been released yet. And apparently the guy wants it released, but it's not available yet. I would buy that like today. The closing score is wonderful because it, it, it is clearly meant to evoke the score of the old Japanese Godzilla films. Mm. It's wonderful. But I'll just say this. Uh, well, you've got to tell me. Okay. I'll just say this, and then this will be the last Cloverfield thing I say, and then we'll talk more, I mean, for now, and then we'll talk more about it later. Um, okay. I don't think what I'm going to say now counts as a spoiler. But if you, yeah, the people, if you're, if you're afraid of a spoiler, if you, if you don't want to know anything, you can tune out now, but in my own defense, I don't believe what I'm going to say now is a spoiler, and I am really saying this for your own good, because I missed most of it. And I'm telling you about what happens now so you don't miss it when you go to see Cloverfield. So, the whole film is a home movie. Where, but but the guy has like it, like so many he of us. Found footage. He but he's but of course he's taping it all on a tape that previously held something else. You know, like you do with a video camera. You go, what's this? I don't know. We can tape over it. So the entire movie is this home footage taped over a like something else. At the very end of the movie, the stuff that they're filming. You know, they're done with that, and then it reverts to whatever was on the tape beforehand. So you see whatever he was taping over. The movie ends with him and his girlfriend kind of being filmed. At, you know, he's at Coney Island. And you see Coney Island, you know, which is on the coast, spread out behind her. The very last thing you see is just this old, like a couple years old footage of him talking to his girlfriend with Coney Island in the background. If you look in the background you see something falling out of the sky and crashing into the ocean behind her. Really? Which is either the monster or, depending on if you believe the viral marketing, a satellite which fell out of orbit into the ocean that woke the monster up. If you see, watch the very the footage at the very, very end. So at the end of all the credits, it, it, like, does it, like... No, 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 it, no it's even before the credits. Um, at the Right before the credits... It goes back to the old taped-over footage, and it's him asking her, like, hey, how was things? And she goes, oh, it was the best day ever at Coney Island. If you look in the background, you see a huge thing falling out of the sky and landing in the ocean behind her. I almost missed it if I hadn't known to look for it. That's thing number one. That is so cool. I'm going to find that. I'm going to see it again just for that. Uh, that is thing number one. Here's thing number two. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. I'm going to have the audience uh, decide whether I reveal thing number two, which may or may not be a spoiler, but it's righteous. We'll talk about that when Man, we get back. I'm so bummed that I, that I missed it. Ah, see, now you go see it again. That's, I know. But, you know that, but that's the whole point of that. That's exactly why they do crap like that. So that people like me come to work and go, and if you didn't stay to the end, you missed this cool. And you're like, i got to go see it again just for that. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. All right, 
It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. All right. So here's the deal. All right, so I haven't looked at anything. All right. So, yeah, here's the deal. So I somebody just, by the way, I was all worried about, you know, if people think I'm revealing spoilers. This guy says, Rick. There are only two kinds of real spoilers, giving away an ending or revealing a fact that takes the surprise out of a moment. Revealing that it's a monster is not a spoiler because they did that in the marketing. Revealing that there are little monsters, too, isn't a spoiler. Anyone who thinks these are spoilers is just effing with you. So fair enough. Um, so here's what we got, though. Uh, I have uh, that revelation about Cloverfield where at the end... You know, uh, once the movie itself is pretty much ended and it's just you're seeing this old taped over footage, you see the monster or something falling out of the sky and crashing into the ocean, which is great and creepy. There's a couple like screen captures of that moment on the Internet, but it's, you got to see it in the theater. OK, um, so I've got this second thing from Cloverfield and I don't think this counts as a spoiler. And I'll tell you why, because. 99.9% of the people who see this movie in the theater will never notice it or hear it anyway. It is a little something hidden after the closing credits. But unless you were really looking for it and went to a lot of work. In fact, here, I'll just I'll just tell you, I won't reveal the contents quite yet, but I'll just tell you basically what I'm referring to. So you go to see Cloverfield, which you really ought to see. Um... You watch the movie all the way through, then the closing credits come up. Oh, see, there's Steve Kastenbaum. He's going to interrupt my. He's going to interrupt my reveal. The closing credits play all the way through. Once the closing credits are done, when all is said and done, you hear this little piece of like, like radio transmission audio. If you take that audio and play it backward, something is revealed. So here's the thing. I don't think what I'm going to do counts as a spoiler because, by definition, sitting in the theater watching it, you wouldn't be able to understand it anyway. Mm. You would have to tape it, like, on your cell phone, go home, get it on the computer, and reverse it and play it back. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that doesn't sound like it would be a spoiler. So I don't think that what I'm going to do now is a spoiler because I'm not revealing anything that you could understand in the movie. Because even if you stayed all the way to the end and watched this and heard it on the big screen, it would still be, you know, backward. How did you find out that it was a backward message? Um, I, because uh, I'm a retard, I was sitting up all night reading Cloverfield message boards. Oh, it's um, and uh, some, and so there, there's this thing. Um, so my question to you is, Sarah, should I play it? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen to you. All right, Steve, if you're on hold, um, we'll get to you in a second. I see you. We'll get to you in just a moment. Hold on. Or should I make people wait for Steve? All right, ladies and gentlemen from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kassamon. Hello, sir. <laughs> now I'm the spoiler. No, no, no. You're not the well. You're the interrupter. Interrupter. Yeah. I mean that in the best possible way. Thank and you. Don't check your email or look at your screen. Aaron just sent me an email. I won't. Look okay, at don't it. look at it. I'm don't answer looking. your phone. I just know because it's going to be so much cooler if you hear if you hear it. And I'll play it when we're done here. Hey, Steve, how's life? How are things? Hey, they filmed um, Cloverfield in New York, but it was such a low-budget, handheld, like, gorilla thing. Um, that probably didn't, you know, you, did that, you even notice that? Did it even affect you? I had no idea. I mean, I've, I've seen the, uh, the coming attractions for it, and I still don't know what it's about. Yeah, no, it, it really, I mean, it's, just, you know, not a spoiler here, but it's essentially an American Godzilla film, but it is really good. Really? Um, yeah, you, you, I mean, it's, it's badass. You've got to watch it, my friend. No, oh, I'm glad you told me that because I, I presume that the, the the trailers were the way they are because the movie was bad. No, 
too much away. No, there's. In fact, I read a big article uh, in the New York Times or something about uh, you know like seven reasons why Cloverfield will be bad, and it was all before it came out. It's like one. You know, made for $20 million. Two, cast of unknowns. Three, dumped in January, which is typically where they pile movies that aren't any good. Uh, four, you know, like, viral marketing, you know, always equals a bad film, like Snakes on a Plane. I can tell you all of that. I mean, I'm not telling you it's like the greatest movie ever. I'm not saying it's the best American horror film ever. But I will tell you this. It is a solid, good use of your $10 in 90 minutes. I mean, it's... Really? I give it a strong thumbs up. It is really good. And I don't mean that in the sense, I don't mean that the way that some people do where they go, well, you know, it's dumb, but it's a good, mindless popcorn film, which is the way that Americans always justify being brainwashed into paying $10 for crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it is it, it, it is a, a movie in the grand tradition of monsters stopping, stomping a big metropolitan city into dust. Uh, right. But they do it in a really new, fresh, innovative way. It's it's very good. I get, and it's gripping. It's I got out of it and I felt like. Did you let me ask you this? Did you see um, Spielberg's War of the Worlds? Yes, I did. Spielberg's Sarah, did you see Spielberg's War of the Worlds? I did. Had great moments. Unfortunately, it had some of that Steven Spielberg sentimental family oh, crap. Seen in the basement that lasts for like ten hours. And like the whole thing at the end of like the tearful reunion. Like those are things where Spielberg just can't help himself. He's just such a mushy wide-eyed, true-believing, Disney-type optimist. Spielberg cannot help himself from putting in big moments of sentiment, especially since he had kids. A lot of filmmakers have kids, and then they become big pussies, and that's kind of what Spielberg did. But, you know, War of the Worlds, if you can separate yourself from the craziness that is Tom Cruise, that movie had scenes and, you know, segments that were just unbelievably intense and grim. Uh, like that fiery train that goes by them at one point, and the whole scene when the creatures are coming out of the water and they're making that low drone and the lights. And imagine all of the dark, gripping moments from War of the Worlds isolated and made into a short film of their own. I mean, that's really what Cloverfield is. Really, I'll have to check it out. Now, I have to add it to the list of movies that I still haven't gotten to see yet. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm, there's that, and then I, sometime in the next day or two, I'm going to see There Will Be Blood. That's the next thing on my list. So. That's on my list, too. Yep. Anyway, um, hey, so uh, I was I was saying earlier that if I was, uh, if I was you know, the 90% of the talk show hosts out there, I would make some joke about giant reptile invading Manhattan, blah, 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 Hillary Clinton, blah, 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 blah. but uh, I'm not going to do that. So, so anyway, so uh, Hillary was there, and I know that she picked up um, I, I, this, this sounds so corny because I sound like one of those corny anchors setting up like the stand-up piece from you. So Hillary Clinton picked up a controversial endorsement, Steve Kastenbaum. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's a big battle going on now for the African-American vote in the United States. And in New York, uh, Barack Obama was here in November. He did a big uh, a big presentation at the Apollo Theater in Harlem well, yesterday, Hillary Clinton was at probably the, the most notable church in Harlem uh, as far as activism goes, and that's the Abyssinian Baptist Church, which is run by the Reverend Dr. Calvin Butts, a very influential man up there, and he threw his support behind Senator Clinton and not Barack Obama. In fact, a couple of his uh, parishioners uh, asked him how could he do such a thing, and he had the following response. I respect Senator Obama. I applaud him, and I love him as my brother. But a vote for Hillary is not a vote against Barack Obama. And he was basically saying that uh, her experience puts her in the best uh, place, the best situation to to make change happen when she gets into office if she is to win. He was uh, saying that that, um, experience, meaning all of her years in Washington, D.C., and change, he said, quote, are not mutually exclusive. Meanwhile, 
just a couple of hours ago, we, we had the release of these two new polls here in New York State. Mm-hmm. Boy, Giuliani is hurting big time here in New York. It was seen uh, for a long time as Rudy Giuliani going to a, an assured victory in the Republican primary here in New York. But uh, two new polls, including one from the Siena Research Institute, which is a college up uh, in our state capital, came out today, and uh, Stephen Rosenberg tells us Rudy Giuliani has lost a lot of ground. With just two weeks to go until the New York primary, New York Republicans give Senator McCain the lead, 36% to 24%. So Senator McCain now, according to two new polls, including a Marist poll as well, has a two-digit lead over Rudy Giuliani's Uh, home state. Boy, and you know, the thing is, he's not even uh, getting any traction in Florida, which is like his whole gambit. I mean... That's his whole thing, is just to be spending all of his money and time in Florida. And not only is he not gaining ground in Florida, he's losing ground in Florida. It just doesn't make any... And again, I have no vested interest in, 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 in Julie. I have no vested interest in anybody. I don't care. Uh, uh, but just from a observing, you know, an observational point of view, it, it just, I, it, you know, this is, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I really hope in a weird way that Giuliani has some master plan that I just can't quite see. And then he turns it all around. If only, if only, because it would be interesting, you know. It'd be as I always say, it'd be like Ali doing that rope a dope in '74. You know, you, where you, you don't really understand it, and then he pulls it out. And you're like, aha! Of course, it was brilliant. But I mean, right now he's just getting his clock cleaned, and that doesn't look to be turning around anytime soon. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, political analysts are saying, you know, everything that's happened in these other states, the way the uh, the way these votes, these caucuses, these primaries have happened, you know, in very quick succession. You know, people really want to vote for a winner. They don't want to cast their yep. vote and feel like they're voting for somebody who doesn't stand a chance. Well, and especially because Giuliani started telling the rest of the country to go, to go, you know, stick it, that they don't matter. Right. I think a lot of people resent that he's just putting all his eggs in the Florida basket and like, well, screw you. You know, we're going to vote for somebody who actually – I mean, look, you got Ron Paul who came in – he like tied for what he got fourteen percent or something. He tied for distant second or whatever in Nevada uh, over the weekend. And I mean, of course, Ron Paul's a nutcase who's not going to be elected. But but it does show he's the only candidate though, really. You know who who did a lot of those media buys in that state, and it did show in you know that he was able to, to get fourteen percent of the vote. So yeah. you know anyway, well whatever. So uh, you know look, it could be worse. We, you know I could I can't, I mean. Giuliani could always be Fred Thompson, and so at least he's got Fred Thompson to sort of, you know, to sort of look down on. You know what I mean? But Fred Thompson gives the impression that he just doesn't care. No, you know what Fred Thompson is like? He's like a Winnie the Pooh doll that has had all his stuffing taken out. Just Ooh. sort of. A, did you? I mean, I saw. I saw, and then I have to run here just a second. I'm over time, but I, I saw Fred Thompson doing his so-called rally on Saturday. <laughs> and I sent a text to my friend uh, Chris Nathan, who's kind of a you know big p- politics nerd like myself. And I I sent him a text from my sofa, sitting there watching. I sent him a text message like, watching. And I said something like, I am currently watching the Fred Thompson quote rally end quote. This is like a bad, poorly attended cable access program. I mean, he was just wandering around and like looking at his feet on stage and shuffling and mumbling and forgetting what he was. T- and clearly that guy is just running off the clock. You know what I mean? He, yeah. In his head, he is already on vacation somewhere. I mean, he so. gave a very weird speech uh, in in Nevada. I think it was Nevada, uh, where you know we were told in the news that you know you, you should be uh, looking out for this one. It's going to be a big speech. So everybody was thinking there was some sort of announcement coming, and he he went on stage, sort of rallied his troops as best as he could, and then walked off stage, and everybody was left 
feeling like, what was that? No, and we've got audio from that we're going to play later, actually. So, uh, life continues to be interesting uh, for us, my friend. Um, all right, you on tomorrow? Yes, I am. Excellent. All right, well, go see Cloverfield. We'll uh, we'll talk to you uh, in the very near future, Steve Castro. Oh, my God, I have a whole list of movies that I have to catch up on. My fear is that they won't be in the theaters anymore before I get a chance to see them. Well, then, then you should triage. What's your list? Oh, geez, I've got There Will Be Blood, uh, No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. uh, Juno, and I still haven't had a chance to get to the theater and see I Am Legend. Well, okay, well, you got to see I Am Legend first, because that one's going to be the first to go. Yeah. Um, right. uh, followed, I would say, by Juno, mm-hmm. then No Country for Old Men, then There Will Be Blood, then Cloverfield. I just have to make time for this and do it. Yeah, no, it's it really it's that's what I tell my wife sometimes. I'm like, you know, she'll want to like, you know, do something or go out or whatever, and I'm like, I'm at home, you know, watching three episodes in a row, of Battlestar Galactic or something, and I always tell her, like, no, baby, it's show prep. This is what the people are talking about. I have to see it. So do you do you get the uh, those those special versions that they send out to people, you know, that their publicist the pub- publicity firms send out to. You know, TV stations and radio stations? Um, I don't. I don't get advanced version. I don't adv- get advanced copies of TV shows. We go to screenings every now and again, and our news director, Tim Riley, is a member of the Screen Actors Guild, so he gets, like, film screeners. Mm. Um, I get I get bupkis. Yeah, me too. I get, so, no, I have to go see movies like a commoner. Yeah. All right, my friend. We'll talk okay. to you very soon. Take care. Steve Gastonbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Did you get the feeling that guy had nowhere to be today? <laughs> totally. Well, so, anyway... Let's talk about cookies. All right. Um, I've been patiently waiting. All right. So here's the thing. And somebody really summed this up about Cloverfield. They said, look at this one guy. He's like, I tune in every 10 seconds. You're still talking. Stop it. Stop it. I'm not revealing anything. I'm really not. Um, A guy accurately summed this up. He said, this is not a spoiler. This is an in-theater Easter egg. So what I'm about to play for you, I feel okay about it. Because there's no way that watching it in the theater, you would ever really pick up on this. Mm-hmm. This is a thing you have to be told about, like on the Internet. And then when you go back, you still wouldn't hear it because it's backward. So the whole movie uh, ends. They do the entire closing credit sequence. And I stayed through it, A, because the score was amazing, and B, because I wanted to see if anything happened at the end. At the end, you hear a little radio crackle, and then what sounds like somebody saying, um, help us. So I'll play this right here, and then I'll play it again backward. So this is them saying, help us. Right there. Okay, so did you hear that? Yeah. And then it ends. Okay. Now, here's that same audio. Backward. My God! <laughs> How freaky is that? That's creepy. Let's hear it one more time, shall we? Oh, that's oh, so so creepy. messed up. It's just so messed up. So, anyway, so uh, you see why I agonized about whether to play it, but yeah. again, it's backward, and so. Unless you're some like weird freakish Rain Man savant with audio, you would never ever hear that in the theater anyway, because everybody's left the theater by then, and even at the end of you didn't just did backward audio. So huh. there you go. 
That's another reason for everyone to go back and pay 10 bucks a second time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. Tim Bradley, have ye news for us. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Back after this with the new news hour. We're live on MLK Day. Uh, stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Oh, yeah. talking about a movie that many people in the audience haven't seen for now. <laughs> we'll resume later when Aaron gets here. It's 503-733-2970. Hello, it's Monday, MLK Day. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. On just a moment, we join Tim Riley. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Um, checking in a little bit late. I had a little appointment I had to get to, but about... During the great unpleasantness, um, I attended the uh, Pandora seminar that you had at uh, down on Northwest 23rd. Yes, sir. And um, since you were talking about the stock market, one thing that really intrigued me that you had actually brought up in that seminar is that if during the case that that company should actually go public, you would be an investor. And I totally concur, and I've actually kind of been keeping tabs on it. And I was just wondering, since you're kind of an insider, if you had any word as to that becoming a reality. Uh, what he was talking about is uh, during the last, and it was it's funny because I think, when I don't remember when that happened. Oh, it was at Music Millennium, which has since gone away, that location yes. of Music Millennium. Yes. Um, I had spoken along with Peter Carlin and whatever during the last unpleasantness. I had been on this uh, panel about the future of radio and the future of whatever, and one of the guys who spoke there uh, was a guy named Tim Westergren, uh, who runs uh, a site called Pandora, which is like an online music radio thing. Um, and those guys have really been, I know that there's been some weird rulings or some weird, uh, regulations that have come down about the royalties that people have to pay if they're streaming music online or whatever. So uh, long story short is, I, I don't know. I don't know anything that, uh, I don't know anything that you don't know. Um, sure. I, uh, quick things about that. Um, what you're talking about, there's a uh, recent interview with Tim Westergren in the Electronic Musician Magazine, which the interview is now online at Electronic Musician. And if you ever want a really good laugh, and if you've got uh, and if you've got Pandora playing in the background, type in the search box. Type in Creed and Pearl Jam, and like for the next hour, you'll get all these bands with these choke throat singers that are like, beer, beer, beer. it's hilarious. Fantastic. Thank you for the right. tip, my Thank friend. Thank you. All right, there you go. Yeah, Tim Westerger, good guy. He bought me lunch, too. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, we can all thank MLK for keeping the stock market closed today. Because in London, it was the biggest meltdown since 1936. Stocks in London lost $120 billion. Just wiped right off the map. Jesus. Big bloodbath. I smell the stench of fear and uncertainty, say people in London. Shares across Europe also dived, and Asian markets suffered heavy overnight losses as fear over the health of the world's based economy swept through global markets. So, he did have a dream that one day he would prevent you from losing money for at least 24 hours. And it has come true. <laughs> Jesus. $120 billion. Wiped out. Somebody sent me. Well, you know, do you realize that the, the Canadian dollar is now worth more than the American dollar? Yes. What kind of godless world are we living in here? Mm -hmm. Let me, uh, hold on a second. Let me, somebody, somebody I, I, I hate to do this. I hate to be a guy reading crap off my own message board. But somebody, in fact, I think it might have been Randy in Vegas, uh, who took time out from 
I don't know, perusing the MySpace profiles of various well-endowed porn stars to post this. This is actually pretty great. He said, because, backstory, because we had talked about that National Enquirer thing about Suzanne Plachette being dead or yeah. not dying, and we were sort of making, and then <laughs> she died like a day later. And Joni had said, well, you know, the Enquirer is right in the money. Randy put the greatest post. This is, I'm reading this now from the MySpace uh, thing. He says, Apparently, the Inquirer is infallible and is, in fact, America's greatest news source. Also, Jim Belushi is America's favorite TV dad. The focus of America's attention is a washed-up, inane, non-singing pop star who doesn't wear panties. Did I mention the next president of the United States will almost certainly either be black or a woman? Also, Fresca and Tab have returned, and the Canadian dollar is now worth more than ours. It's an insane, bizarro world out there. And it really is. So, all right. Yeah. So there you go. So wait, oh that, and I hadn't even thought about that, but of course the markets are open everywhere else. Yeah, because they don't celebrate the last right. MLK. MLK Day is an American holiday only. So anyway, uh, so so we were spared the bloodbath uh, on the stock market today. At least today, Friday we were not. <laughs> and tomorrow is a whole new day of suffering, yes, Tim Riley. I know. I'm 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 braced for that. I just uh, I'm trying to think about it. Don't think about it anymore. Uh, just gonna put all my money in. Uh, Seems like there's a joke there. I'm going to put all my money in. A mattress. Ball bearings. Ball bearings. No, I don't know. I got nothing. So anyway, it's uh, very cold out there. Not that it's just cold, cold. It's it's cold with a wind factor. Uh, for instance, it's 36 degrees downtown, but somebody wrote it feels more like 27. So don't ask me who figures these things uh, out. I saw one of those electronic reader boards this morning that said it was, it, this is this morning around, I don't know, whenever, 8.30, it literally was at freezing. It was 32. Mm-hmm. And that's like just just the temperature with the wind chill. Um, which is the, the wind? People don't understand. Wind chill just basically means how cold does it feel? What is the perceived yeah. temperature? And the wind chill is like five degrees or something. I mean, it's it's insane. Um, I felt really bad uh, too for my dog because, uh, long story short, is that I'm I'm and it always happens this way. I'm low on heating oil at my house, um, and it always happens that it's like on the coldest day of the year. And I don't know if you all out there have heating furnaces or you know have a, have a you know a tank out front where you keep your heating oil, but you basically it's just like the dipstick in your car. You have to get with this huge like nine foot long wooden pole that has numbers on the side of it that shows the gallons. You have to open the tank and dip this huge wooden pole down there and like pull it out and look and see how much oil you have. And you're not supposed to let it get below forty gallons. Because there's like sediment and crap at the bottom, and you don't want to get that in your, it'll, you know, in your furnace, it'll choke it up. So, um, so I'm out there like the day before yesterday, which I guess would have been what Saturday. Um, and again, you're not supposed to think it before four. And Tim has been saying all week, it's gonna be two degrees outside. Stay in your homes. Turn your heaters to maximum. And so I'm, I better see where my heating oil level is at. Open the thing. Stick in the uh, the little dipstick, pull it out. It's like 51 gallons. So I have 11 gallons left. And so immediately I start ratcheting the heat down. Call the heating oil company, who of course are closed on the weekends. Left a message. Hello, I need two. Stat, can you come to my house? Call me when you get this. And so my poor dog. You know, I mean, it's like I can I can put on a coat and lay under an electric blanket. My poor dog, though. So I want, and they, they are presumably going to be filling up my heating oil tank today. Yay. But I left the house, and the thing is, you can't have the heater on when they're filling your tank. You have to have the furnace off when they're heating your tank, and then you have to leave it off for two hours after they fill the tank again, because when they fill it, it stirs up crap at the bottom, and you don't want to suck that into your heater. So my heater basically has to be off all day today. So my poor, I almost brought him to work. I almost did. 
But I left my poor dog at home, so I put him in a sweater, and then I, you know, I had this little heating, like this electric blanket thing that I put on low, and I put him in a sweater, and I'm like, stay on the blanket. Just keep your sweater on. Don't pull your sweater off. So as soon as the show is done, I have to go home and get to turn my heat back on so my dog doesn't die of the cold. Now, speaking of that, the Oregon Humane Society wants to remind you that if the temperature becomes too severe, 30 degrees with or without the wind chill, dogs and cats can get frostbitten ears and noses and feet if you leave them outside. So don't leave them. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. And that's against the law here in yeah, Multnomah County. Leave them outside. Yeah, seriously. So, that's that. Wow, we have all kinds of crazy people to tell you about over the weekend, and they're all local. Uh, no charges will be pursued against an off-duty Portland cop who shot and killed a drug-crazed gun-toting lunatic in Scapoose. Dung, g- I'm sorry, what was that? Drug-crazed gun-toting lunatic? Huh? In Scapoose. Fantastic. Like there being a shortage of those out there. Uh, the DA says uh, Greg Stewart acted in a reasonable manner to protect his family and home before an intruder escalated the situation to a level of violence and harm. This happened, uh, let's, oh... In the early morning of October 5th, when 42-year-old Jeffrey Dean Tobin of Ocean Park, Washington, shirtless, barefoot, and wrapped in an American flag, <laughs> fired at least twice through a window and thrice through the door of the officer's house. Uh, Turpin was shot twice, one of which was a fatal shot to the chest, so he got him. Uh, uh, Turpin had a high level of methamphetamine sufficient to create excited delirium, irrational, <laughs> manic behavior, cardiac death, and arrest. Wonderful. Uh, so, it is not within the law that a person uh, must allow an armed man to enter the home, so fire him and kill him, according to the... So, uh, wait, wait, this the, is in Scapoose? This is in Scapoose, yeah. So, he was shirtless, shoeless, and wrapped in the flag? Mm-hmm. And no charges will be filed against well, him. Well, no. Guy got what was coming to him. Right. So, somebody's on your porch with a gun trying to get in you. Shoot him dead. Shoot them and keep shooting them until they go down and stay down. It's the motto of the Rick Emerson Show. So, uh, let's go to Oregon City for our next crazy person. Man's home is his castle. In Oregon City, two people are recovering from stab wounds after some guy terrorizes the neighborhood. Uh, 37-year-old Sun Don had gone to his ex-girlfriend's home in the 500 block of C Street. Uh, the couple had a history of domestic violence, starting fighting, and then uh, this guy assaulted the woman. Uh, this was just the start of his rampage. He said when a friend of the victim tried to dial 911, Don struck again. The suspect grabbed the kitchen knife and ended up stabbing the guy. Meanwhile, the girlfriend runs next door. The woman who lived there uh, was home with her two daughters. She opened the door to see what was going on, and the lady pushed her way inside and ended up uh, locking the friend out of her own home. That's when she got stabbed. Then the second stabbing, uh, apparently this guy followed his ex-girlfriend to the neighbor's house. Next door neighbor said she yelled at the guy, and she saw him break a window and try to get inside. Uh, she said, He said, get out of here with that knife. There are two little kids in here. But... Then they saw a lot of blood. So police arrested this guy and charged him with first-degree assault. He remains in Clackamas County Jail, where all the good people go. So I'm, lo- I'm looking at this. Um, I'm looking at the story for this. First of all, this guy looks crazy. He has. He just has that. Um, of course, he's only alleged to be guilty of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, maybe it's all big misunderstanding. Uh, I'm sure. So I'm looking at this guy. First of all, the guy just looks. I'm trying to think of... He reminds me of somebody, and I can't quite figure out who. He just has that sort of slack-jawed, vapid, moronic, but kind of crazy look. I mean, the the look you expect to see on the face of a guy who's lunging at you with some sort of sharp kitchen implement. Um, but as uh, our listener Chris points out, this story, and this is KGW, the where good journalism lives... Mm-hmm. Um, it, the story is just full of, like, the weirdest, most ambiguous writing. For example... 
Um, and I realize that some of these are direct quotes, but they're still weird. Detective uh, Sergeant Jim Band with the Oregon Police Department said, quote, Domestic violence is kind of how it started. Not really, not absolutely, not specifically, just kind of how it started. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? This is that, what is it, that story you had a couple weeks ago where, like, the story said something about some guys who were, quote, screwing around. Oh, yeah, they were <laughs> screwing around. They were screwing around in the park. That's journalism. Let's see. Um, the detective said, quote, the suspect grabbed a kitchen knife and ended up stabbing that guy, end quote. Um, let's see here. And then we've got this. Now, this is odd. Dale Matthews, who lives next door, said she yelled at Don when she saw him break a window to try to get inside. Uh, and then this is her quote. Quote, I said, get out of there with that knife. There are two little kids in there. But when I saw the blood, I was like, oh, my. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. They're probably transcribing a video. Oh, that, okay. word for word. Oh, that makes sense. All so right. Somebody told little Mary to go ahead and, and transcribe that story. The the intern who now works as their lead uh, web correspondent. Yes. All right. So she did as she was told. Okay. Uh, then there's a drive-by shooting yesterday afternoon. One person injured. It happened uh, near MLK and Northeast uh, failing. Uh, a car drove on <laughs> failing. Failing. North Where do you East live? Failing. failing Street and Depression Lane. It's next to the Falling Pedestrian Bridge. Well, you know, there is, as I always feel compelled to point out, there's failing and then it intersects with Hate Street. There is actually a, the intersection of hate and failing. And that's very close to Emerson. Yes, it is. Emerson is right next to the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Emerson is just a stone's throw from the corner of hate and failing. Doesn't it sound like we ought to be filming some sort of Mickey Spillane-esque noir mystery there? Yes. In the corner of hate and failing, a Rick Emerson mystery. The corner of unemployment and suicidal depression. Uh, then a TriMet driver's recovering after getting beat up by a passenger on her bus. Beat what? By? Oh, beat up. Yeah, beaten up. Okay. Uh, she confronted the passenger who refused to pay, and then the passenger hit her in the noggin. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it left some of the passengers quite shaken. They need more security on the buses. They're going to have to have a cop on everything pretty soon before we're done with this. Um, yeah, apparently, traffic officials said all their drivers are trained to handle violent situations, and each bus has a security camera. You know, like, that really works. Yes. As well as an emergency call button. Where's the emergency call button on a bus? I don't know. That's a good question. And what does it do? Who does it call? I don't know. And how are they exactly, are they trained? What does that mean, they're trained to handle violent situations? Trying I mean, to... if a guy gets on his pin stabbing you, what is it you're trained to do? Ow! Tremont has a lot of weird things on paper, uh -huh. and none of the people who work there have actually ever ridden on a bus or right. a bus to find out what it's like. Totally. I, you know what I like about Tremont? Like, if you ride the bus, here's what I Please like. Please do not smoke at the Tremont stop. I, <laughs> that works really well. <laughs> Please, no raping. I, uh, I, I do like these sort of pictographs inside the bus up by the ceiling that shows what's and how they depict things that are and are not allowed like there's the uh, you know there's the dogs must be whatever you know the cage or whatever and there's the picture like the little dog into the suitcase and then there's the no food no beverage and the universal sign for that is a hamburger and fries with a slash through it like hamburger and fries is the international symbol for food but then the best part is when it says like you must show your pass uh -huh. And I swear to God, it looks like some weird Soviet propaganda thing where there is, like, a guy in, like, a scary police hat. And then there's a citizen, like, like who's, like, way shorter than the authority figure. There's a citizen who's, like, a full head shorter holding up uh, his ticket. And it does, for all the world, look like some sort of Soviet, like, KGB sort of intimidation sign. 
Who should we talk about next? I don't know, Tim. It's all good today. It's all it gold. Uh, so what are you going to do about all these people uh, stealing the copper and knocking up the phones? I say we shoot them in the chest. Well, high metal prices have enticed thieves across Oregon to strip construction sites, street lamps, and electric substations for recyclable metal. But the Eugene Water and Electric Board and five other uh, Willamette Valley Electric Companies and Bonneville Power Administration have a program designed to deter thieves from stealing the copper wire. They have selected a distinct color to paint all of its otherwise unidentifiable, uh, unidentifiable ground wires. A flyer lists each utility's name and color to help scrap metal dealers. Let me understand this. So America's secret weapon in the fight against methamphetamine theft is paint. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, BPA last year suffered 25 uh, grounding wire thefts across you know, the West. I'm a big fan of uh, legalizing drugs, and I always have been, uh, just because it seems like that's the that's the way you get rid of the black market and you stop, like, cocaine dealers from making a 17,000% markup. But I do wonder sometimes if that would work with methamphetamine, because methamphetamine is so unbelievably cheap, I think, to make, and I think it's also really cheap to buy. Mm-hmm. That I wonder if the government could, I mean, the government would also have, would always, they basically have to use it like as a loss leader. The government would almost have to give meth away to stop methamphetamine-fueled crime, I would think. I mean, right, because, like, meth is so, like, that's, that's why people, that's why people sell it, because you can make it for, like, so little in your house with just chemicals from the Home Depot or whatever. So it's like the government, I think, would almost have to just make it free to addicts. Uh, to keep people from, you know, because otherwise it would still be cheaper to buy in the street. Oh, by the way, Tim, do you want to know the projection for the uh, for the Dow futures tomorrow? Sure. This guy says, hey, I was just watching business news. They have the Dow futures. Let me ask you this. You fill in this sentence, Tim. Mm-hmm. They have the Dow futures losing blank points before the market opens tomorrow. Uh, one. No. Are you trying to make it so? Yes, I am. Are you trying to, just the power of positive thinking? <laughs> no. I'll give you a hint. It's higher. Great. <laughs> no. Uh, he says, I was watching Fox Business, and they have the Dow Futures losing 520 points before the market opens tomorrow. Oh, jeez. You just dropped your pen. You literally dropped your pen, and your mouth fell open. It's all right. I don't want to retire. You love it. I want to keep working. You 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 want to keep working forever. Oh, all right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, so then we have this Oregon City couple, the Roaches, who want the city to pay them more than four hundred thousand dollars because the sewer line backed up and flooded their basement with sewage, destroying everything from clothes to the family Bible. Uh, this happened when the uh, Roach family of Oregon City <laughs> okay. went away for a while, then they came home. Joseph Roach said the couple returned home to a basement three feet deep in untreated sewerage, and oh, it's been wow. It had been stewing through a hot summer heat. How long were they gone? Uh, let's see here. They were gone for a while. It said they were visiting a dying relative in California last summer. Okay, but it doesn't say how long they were Wait, gone. So she was taking a long time to die if they were there until it just now. It permeated everything with a caustic and toxic odor that oh, I can only great. equate with the smell of death. <laughs> Wow. Mr. And they just came home from the smell of death. Mm-hmm. So. My home was destroyed, said Mr. Roach. Uh, the problem was caused by a 19-inch length of 4x4 that got into the sewer system. It could have fallen into a manhole, or a vandal could have tossed it in. I go with a vandal, since it's Oregon City. Uh, the city and the contractors say they're not responsible. So that's that. It has left the Roaches with the basement covered with nastiness. The uh, couple hired a, a company to remove household items, get the lower floor, and sanitize the basement. They salvaged as much as they could, but they lost all their keepsakes, including children's pictures. Three feet of sewage. Mm-hmm. Jesus. 
Right. Uh, they take a picture to chronicle the damage and their losses. One photo shows a small framed copy of the Ten Commandments. Covered in feces. Which reads, thou shalt not ruin someone's home. Okay. Hey, by the way, in that um, in that uh, that movie, The Ten, uh, out January 26th. Did you watch it? No. 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 <laughs> no. F no. What are you, crazy? No. No. <laughs> um, uh, what was I? Uh, what was I doing just now? You know, you know who I was? I was just I was that guy from uh, I was that guy from Office Space just now. Um, doesn't the next door neighbor say that at some point? No, man, hell no, f no. Well, whatever. Anyway, uh, oh, like when it's when he says, "Hey, does somebody ever, does somebody ever ask you if you're having a case on the Mondays?" And he goes, "No, man, I don't believe you get your ass kicked." Um, so I was, that movie, The Ten, uh, on sale January 26th from City Lights Home Entertainment and being given away all this week by the Rick Emerson Show. Apparently it's a laugh-out-loud take on the Ten Commandments. They do, in fact, give Winona Ryder the Thou Shalt Not Steal. That The little vignette for Thou Shalt Not Steal is Winona Ryder. How great is that? Here's Tim Riley. Uh, today has been officially declared the gloomiest day of the year. Psychologist Cliff Arnell, an expert in depression, has used a mathematical formula to point this as Blue Monday. It is a day when six factors come together and leave us at our most miserable. They are the weather, Christmas debt, a feeling of monotony after the Christmas cheer has faded, broken New Year's resolutions, low level of motivation, and desperate feeling that you need to improve your life. I'll add one more. How about the stock market? I was just going to say, I think they've left one off, Tim Riley. Yes, the most important <laughs> one to all too many of us, the stock market. Um, uh, millions are also uh, struggling to get back into the routine of working after the long Christmas break, and uh, many will not have an, another holiday until August. How do they figure that? What about Arbor Day? What about it? What about MLK Day, which yeah. is today? Seriously. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, focus on the good things you have in life. Wait. If, uh, if hold one on. of you... Okay, I'm done. If one of your uh, limbs doesn't work, focus on the other three that Are do. you kidding me? Does it say that? Yeah. That's its example, is to focus on the limbs you have that do I work. <laughs> I got four great limbs that help me make decisions in the stock market. <laughs> That's the most random thing I've ever heard. That really is. That is the most absurd, like, glass half full thing I've ever yeah. heard in my life. Well, I've got this one leg that does work, though. Jesus. I don't think that's really enough. He's a noted psychologist. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you've got a limb that doesn't work, focus on the three that do. The more you know. All right. Uh, speaking of psychiatrists, Dr. Phil is expected to issue a public apology on his program In today. your face. He has taped an episode uh, for Thursday that includes an apology for making statements against uh, Britney Spears during her hospitalization earlier this month. Listen, you've got to apologize sometimes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick. So, uh, with the uh, family that was uh, that had the sewer backup yeah. in their home, uh-huh. well, they missed the boat. They could have uh, like captured the gas and sold it as Jankum, made their money back. Yes, yes, they could have. Sorry. Oh, bye. It's bye o- now. It's open mic day. <laughs> Sorry, that was just the end of the. Uh, <laughs> it didn't even deserve a full one. Sounded rude. Uh, yes, they, yes, they, <laughs> this is like, it's like everybody gets three minutes at the chuckle hut. All right. Welcome to Captain Kooky's Laugh Shack. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so, uh, Fred Thompson fails uh, to quit. Jesus. Even after losing <laughs> He North fails Carolina. to quit and quits to fail. And he made a stirring speech. Really? Is this, now, is this from Nevada? This is from South Carolina. This is a good one. 
I wonder, which, okay, because I'm getting it all mixed up now because they happened on the same day. Nevada, the Nevada caucus, yeah. which Mitt Romney won, uh, and then uh, South Carolina, which was won by John McCain. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and Clinton, Hillary Clinton cleaned up in Nevada. Good to see. Mm -hmm. She just schooled everybody. Um, so I saw one of the Fred Thompson speeches, and I sent Steve in this text message just saying this is the most depressing thing. He actually found it so depressing he had to... He's not even supporting Fred Thompson. Right. Sneed actually found it so depressing he had to turn off his television. I think that may be this one. It, while he's speaking, it's too bad you can't... Well, go to my website at RileyLive.com. Look at this because while he's making the speech, MSNBC is showing the results of him getting creamed so at the polls. So, <laughs> is, so this, is this the one where he says, well, we told our people to wait until the last minute to vote, so they'll be at the polls any second now. I mean, he actually said that. No, this is even worse. Okay. This is, I mean, I, I don't know if this guy. <laughs> okay. So Keith Oberman is on this right. at, at the very end. So here we go. Hold on, Diddy. We're going to go right now to Fred Thompson. He's about to make fairly an important Fred statement. Matthews and Keith Oberman. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for everything that you've done. Okay, get ready for this. My friends, we, uh, so we live in a country that sacrificed more blood for the freedom of other people than all the other countries in the world combined. Where do you get that? We are proud That's of that tradition. Up. It's a tradition of honor. It's a tradition of sacrifice for the greater good. Now, most Americans are not called upon to shed their blood, but we're called upon from time to time to make our own sacrifices. We're called upon from time to time to make our own contribution. And my friends, that's what you've done. That's what you're doing. And I'm so proud to stand with you in that regard. And we'll always stand strong together in that what regard. Is, we'll always stand strong what together. What is he talking about? Nobody I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you tonight. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Stand strong. Um. What, this is the MSNBC step laughing. Yeah. What was what was that about? <laughs> we were snuckered. Apparently, the people who were asked to sacrifice there were you and me. I think right. it was a snucker. What's so great is that Keith and Keith Oberman and Chris Matthews are openly laughing. Okay, that's a different speech than the one I saw. Oh, it is. That's South Carolina, where I really don't even know what he was talking about there. No, no, um, seems to. Uh, and then I saw his. I guess it must have been maybe his speech at the. Uh, at the Nevada caucus, although I don't think he did one there because, you know, he was unless it was via satellite or something. Um, so it must have been maybe an earlier section of the South Carolina speech that I saw. But, man, he was it really did like that, like the lowest rent cable access stage. And then at one point they did this unfortunate wide shot. And you could see that there was like nine people in the audience, all of them blue hairs. And he was walking around looking. You know what that guy one word for that guy rumpled. Yeah. He was walking around on the stage, looking rumbled, literally walking back and forth, staring down at his feet, looking at his shoes, walking back and forth, losing track of what he was talking about, didn't quite know what the point was. And it, th th that guy, do you remember like a year ago when he was like the great hope, like six months ago when he was the front runner? He was Scotty's candidate. Every, he was the candidate for change, for the Jays, for everyone who values a right-thinking America. And, man, that guy has just, again, it's like somebody reaching out and just cut his main string. He just slumped over. So, Jesus. Um, oh, by the way, and then we have to take a break here because Aaron Geekin City Duran is standing outside in the four-degree weather. Um, did you see this? Mike Huckabee has decided that his whole thing is to get the redneck vote. 
Um, and I'll talk more about that tomorrow with Lisa. But A, not only is he doing this moronic thing of embracing the Confederate flag. Oh, no. Then he had Chuck Norris doing his campaign ads. I don't know if you saw that. Chuck Norris is doing these campaign commercials. And then he was, you know, he was, and he was defending the Confederate flag. You know, in two can I just make this brief observation? And I'm just going to leave aside the issue of racism and whatever, because that should all be obvious to us at this point. Maybe here's something you hadn't thought of. They lost. I mean, you, if you, that's how it works. If you lose, you don't get to fly your flag anymore. That's, that's kind of one of the rules, right? Like, if you lose a war, you, you lose, whoever wins gets to put the flag up. You, you have to take it down if you lose. You lost. You you, you will we'll beat you again if that's what it is. We ought to offer them a double or nothing rematch. That's what we ought to do. That's going to be my platform at a for president. Double or nothing against the South. Um, anyway, so he's got Chuck Norris doing his campaign ads. Then he does this speech where he keeps saying this. Well, in Arkansas, if you tried to tell us what to do with the flag, we'd tell you what to do with the pole. So he's all like for the Confederate flag. Then he has wrestling fans will know who I'm talking about. Uh, Rick, uh, the Nature Boy, Rick Flair. He has Rick Flair, who is a professional wrestler, on the on the podium, at, you know, like up on the dais with him, as he's speaking in South Carolina. Hi, I'm running for president. Hey, here's me standing next to a pro wrestler. And then finally, I swear to you, this is true. At one point, he was given. He was out on the stump talking, trying to appeal to the common folk. I swear to you, he told a story about cooking a squirrel inside a popcorn popper. Oh, no. He's like, well, I remember, uh, like a lot of you, uh, you know, in my dorm room late at night, cooking up a squirrel in a popcorn machine. I was sitting there watching the TV going, who are you? What, what, I, who tells that story? Was that with or without butter? <laughs> I mean, who reminisces about cooking a squirrel? In, Sarah, you went to college. You ever cook up a squirrel in a popcorn popper? Not so much. Jesus. God, people are dumb. All right, let's take Is a break. Huckabee? But yeah, that's Huckabee. Back after this. See if you can find that audio. It's wonderful. Jesus, God. Back after this. It's MLK Day. Stay there. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. I've got it. Mike Huckabee and the fried squirrel out of a popcorn pot. Is this like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? It is. Okay. This is Mike Huckabee talking about eating a squirrel in a popcorn popper. Presidential aspirant, Mike Huckabee. They do like people like you. <laughs> well, South Carolina is a great place for me. I mean, I, I know how to eat grits. Uh, I, I speak the language. And, uh, you know, we even uh, know how to talk about eating fried squirrel and stuff like oh, that. Oh, so we, it, we're on the same okay. wavelength. Yummy, <laughs> yummy, By the way, yummy Mika, I bet you never did this. Yeah. When I was in college, we used to take a popcorn popper, because that was the only thing that they would let us use in the dorms, and we would fry squirrel and popcorn oh. poppers in the dorm room. Oh, I bet you never did Too that. Too much information. Oh. No, I, just <laughs> I just don't see Mika. I just Where don't is he see being interviewed? He's on uh, morning discussion on something or other. If you show me. No, morning, uh, Joe. 
a recipe? A recipe? Well, I, I don't know if I want to see it. I was going to say we're going to be down in South Carolina. I'd like to meet you, but we'll keep the squirrels out of it. Governor Huckabee, it's Willie. The squirrel sounds great. Yeah. I prefer Ooh. grilling possum on the hood of my ah. Ford Bronco. I've got the engine running. We'll okay, that's swap recipes funny. later. Yeah. Uh, this, this, we've had... All right. There you go. I think that's that morning Joe on MSNBC. Is that ought to just oh is that Joe Scarborough's program? Yeah. That must be it. Okay, because that's the same show where he made that insane statement about changing the constitution to fit God's law. Because you can't fit God's law to fit, fit the constitution. Uh so I'm I'm posting that. I think it, it, the minute you start talking about cooking up a squirrel in a popcorn machine in your dorm room, that ought to disqualify you from any job that does not require the pumping of gas. I mean really right there. You ought to be I don't want that guy with his finger on the first strike button in any way. Jesus, God. All right. Uh, you're going to post it at Riley Live? Yeah. yeah it's, up, it's up there now. Let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. Love me. Like you did by the lake on Naboo. Aaron Geek. Yeah. Speaking of Naboo, I just beat that level on Star Wars Legos. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, we only rented it, so we had Don't to look return it. <laughs> you were playing with Star Wars Legos? You were playing with Legos? Yeah. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, a, it's a video game. I was playing Wii Star Wars Legos. I'll oh, see. We, had a, we rented it for the 360. It is the entire Star Wars saga, playable. Uh, but it's all depicted with Legos. And really, you have to trust me it when I tell lame, you it, really it sounds greatest. lame, but it is unbelievable. Did you unlock Indiana Jones? Uh, no, 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 because uh. we only rented it for like three days and we had to return it. You really have to trust me. I'm not saying you'd enjoy playing it, but as somebody who has a great like graphic eye, at some point you ought to uh, look at it or something. It ju it's just an amazing. It is you, pretty cool. You look at it and you just cannot fathom how far video games have come. It's like playing a Pixar film or something. It's just, it's, and it's, no, it really is. It's massive. It's massive because it's all six films and basically every, every, every set piece, every, every well-known scene from every one of the six films, entirely playable. You can wander, you can pick up stuff, you can do whatever. And the thing is, it's all depicted with Lego figures. So if your character, your character never dies, for example, he just like scatters into pieces and then he comes back together. And it really, it's just Unreal. It is. It's but on the, of, on the Wii version, if you're playing a Jedi, you can swing your Wii remote as a lightsaber. Really? Yeah. Oh, bastard. It's <laughs> one of the best video games I've ever played. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, let's uh, salute MLK Day, shall we? With Hillary Clinton, who remembers vividly being a 17-year-old girl. Oh, please, please tell me. Wait, hold on. Is this? I remember marching. No. Is she okay? Hold on. Did she share the same dream? Did she? Is she keeping the dream alive herself? No. Is she... Wait, does she remember registering people to vote in the South? No. Damn it. No. It's all the political touch. That's what they all... That's all the stuff they always say. Um, oh, wait, hold it's on. something very typical. Does she remember... What is she going to... Okay, was she... Did she remember working on a civil rights case as a junior attorney? No. Okay, I give up. She saw it on TV. Oh. Listen to that speech <laughs> alone. I remember the chair I was sitting in. I remember where it was in the room. Oh, I, thought it was I remember what I no, saw. I remember Might crying well like a baby. I remember saying, this is the America I want to be a part of. Okay, now here's, here's the thing, though, with Bill Clinton is, I do believe that it's as much of a shyster as he is. I, I, think, Bill Clinton, I think Bill Clinton probably cries at almost anything. I think probably a I think probably a well constructed McDonald's commercial make you know, like like where the kid is nervous about his first day in little league but then the dad picks him up afterward and they go and get a milkshake together. I bet that makes I no never had a dad. I, <laughs> I want a squirrel and a popcorn popper. I wonder what Bill Clinton's like at the end of Rathacon. I I bet Bill Clinton cries like a woman at almost anything. <laughs> all right. One of them has to. Uh all right, it's Tim Riley. Uh then we have uh the squirrel leading Mike Huckabee. He is attending a service at uh, King's former church, and he says uh, he's very important. 
And it was Dr. King that really led this country to recognize the worth and value of every human being. And uh, had it not been for his courage and his moral clarity on this issue, you know, I shudder to think where this country would be. We would be under the Confederate flag, which Mike Huckabee is all in favor of flying, by the way. Yes. Uh, Barack Obama. Really, honestly, did he have the gall to make that statement? Not to hear it again? No, no, F no, no. It just, I just, I'm sorry. I just, I, I would oh, like to. Win. I would no. I, I would like to think that he won't win, especially because McCain, who I have many problems with, but McCain just cleaned his clock mm-hmm. in South Carolina, which is deeply satisfying. Uh, I think I would vote. I mean, I really don't think I would vote for Mitt Romney before I voted for uh, before I voted for Mike Huckabee, because I know I, I mean Mitt Romney seems to be evil and and wishy washy, but I mean at least in a way that we're sort of familiar with. He mm. he's sort of evil in a way that a lot of politicians are evil. Mike Huckabee he seems to have this whole this whole idea that if he can just pin down the Foxworthy vote that that's going to be enough to put him in the White House. So in any event, all right, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, so anyway, Barack Obama says uh, Bill Clinton isn't being entirely truthful when it comes to his record. He continues to make statements that aren't supported by the facts, uh, whether it's about my record of opposition uh, to the war in Iraq uh, or uh, our uh, approach to organizing uh, in Las Vegas. Now look at the cat dragon. It's Rudy Giuliani. Who? Rudy Giuliani. Hmm? He is focusing his campaign on Florida. A former New York mayor calls uh, Florida a microcosm. And says voters there know he can boost the Australian national economy. That's the big issues here are the big issues in the country. Who can stimulate the economy? Who can lower taxes? I have the biggest tax cut plan of anyone running. Did he get that thing fixed, that speech impediment of his? Please? Too late now. Uh, Florida is a state of many personalities. Florida is a microcosm of the country. It's a uh, large state. It has virtually every... Uh, you know, diverse uh, group that you can think of in different uh, parts of the state. It's really Giuliani. Aaron is opening his mouth, but he has that look on his face like he almost shouldn't say what he wants to say. If it was any other day but today. Okay. I've got to keep it real for all the minorities because I'm clearly the only one in this building. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only halfway there. No, no, no. We, uh, no, we have, uh, we have Richie. No, they're, they're celebrating for you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, the day off. Um, uh, it, I wonder no. why my yard was kind of shabby. Oh, what? You can't say that. Yeah, I can. I thought you lived in the apartment. No, Aaron can say that. We can't. Actually, I do. That's right. We can't say it, but you can. Uh Aha. All right. That's like how when Richie, it's like when Richie decides to come on the air some days and his standard greeting is, hello. Hello. Which, which, like, we can't do, but Richie can. All right. So let's, so let's make, let's just so we can clarify. Richie can do the hero joke. You can do the yard jokes. I can only joke about Banana Republic being out of khakis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just let me, uh, back up for a second. Um, Giuliani, just there. A, let's see, speech impediment, something else. Oh, here, okay, he is doing this one great thing on the stump, though. The stump, in this case, being Florida, because that's like the only thing he's doing. He does have this one little gimmick that's, that he's got rolling, and if he would just, I don't know who's advising him, man. I, 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 somebody really needs to, like, take him out back and give him a serious talking to. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing that Giuliani is doing well but even this, he's kind of bungling. He has this gimmick of taking out a piece of paper from his pocket, and he waves it at the camera, and he goes, oh, right here, I'm, I've got a uh, one-page... I sound like Barney Frank, but that's the only <laughs> voice I can do. Uh, right here, I've got this uh, one-page tax form. Uh, this simplifies taxes. Uh, you can get all uh, the, the deductions you were previously getting, uh, but you do it all in one page. And he holds it up at the camera, and it's one-page, one-sided. So, I mean, it literally is just one side of one regular sheet of paper. 
And if that, if he would just run television commercials all across the country, and if that was the only concrete thing he was promising, you know, you know, Rudy Giuliani for president. I'm Rudy Giuliani. If you vote for me, this will be a tax form you can fill out in five minutes. That'll all be all you have to do. Is one page, of, you know, one side of one page. That's your tax form. People would vote for him just for that because it's concrete, it's finite, it's tangible. But even that, he's bungling because when he pulls it out of his pocket. And I guess he's trying to look just folks or something. But when he pulls it out of his pocket, it's not like a crisp. It's like a ratted up piece of paper that's been folded into eights and kept in his shoe for a year. So he pulls that. It looks all grubby and torn. And it really looks like he's a homeless guy who's shoving a piece of paper at you about the Trilaterals Commission while you're trying to ride the train or something. So there you go. A man with a chainsaw and a knife attacked residents at a homeless shelter where he was staying in Missouri. Oh, wow. <laughs> Don't, you can't laugh at that. Yes, you can. Okay, he's, he's, are funny. he's a white man. <clears throat> it's okay. Uh, Matthew <laughs> laughed double for him today, then. Matthew Watkins is charged with four counts each of first-degree assault and armed criminal action for the attack at the Mid-American Care Center. Uh, the sheriff said the two victims were kept by a chainsaw and two others with a knife. Jesus. The victims injured by the chainsaw in bad condition. The two others have been treated and released. I hate to sound... Look, maybe it's too soon to be asking these <laughs> questions. He was staying at the shelter for on-the-job training. Can I ask you a question, Tim? Choppy chop. As a news... On the job training, choppy chop. Training. No, no. no. Oh, no. Chop, what is with no. you today? You, gotta, I, uh, you don't even take a step back and gather your thoughts. I've, I fell asleep around 4 a.m. because Jen's out of town, so I've been doing the bachelor thing. Here's the thing. How does someone with a chainsaw sneak up on you? No, he was there. <laughs> no, but I mean, okay, let me put it this way, Tim. Well, maybe he, he if you were walking it. down the hallway and somebody had a running chainsaw, don't you think it would be relatively difficult for them to sneak up and catch you unawares? I suppose so. That's what I'm saying. So is he only chainsawing the homeless and deaf? Or, I mean, I don't understand exactly how you can be sprung upon by somebody with a running chainsaw. Maybe he only chainsaws the one that are yelling at themselves so they didn't hear it coming. That's true. Over the sound of the voices within, yeah, he can be heard. And the trolley was full of those this morning. <laughs> I took the trolley instead of walking. Oh, man. And they were everywhere, oh. flailing about and yeah. screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> I was at Powell's yesterday. And um, it, did you ever do this? And I, I don't mean to sound uh, cruel, but did you ever um, did you ever do this where you can't tell, like, how do I put this? Where sometimes you can't tell, you you look at them and you think crazy or retarded, and you can't quite tell. You know what I mean? Either way, they're holding a whole lot of conversation with no one. Uh, but oh, then it, it could be wearing the earpiece for the phone. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, that's that's true. It could be crazy retarded or Bluetooth. Uh -huh. um, and so I'm at Powell's and minding my own business. I sound like that woman in the Walmart commercial. There I was at Walmart just trying on lipstick. And so I'm at Powell's just looking at books or whatever. And a woman, and first of all, it was freaking me out because she was only like a foot tall. I mean, she was like, it, it, it's like she'd been atomized or something. Um, and she walks up to me. And looks straight up at me and just starts going, rah, 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 and just starts going on and on and on. And I couldn't tell if it was to me, at me, just in my general vicinity, if she was responding to some sort of internal voice, um, or if she was just like flat out screaming nuts. It that's, was. That's when you point to your right and you say, "Ma'am, the Shire is that way." <laughs> <laughs> no, it was all kinds of weird. So anyway, so uh, look out for chainsaw wielding maniacs. Meanwhile, women in Saudi Arabia can now stay at a hotel or a furnished apartment without a male present. Are you kidding me? It's a new uh, government decision. Uh, the Daily El Wetton has, uh, says the uh, Saudi government reported Monday that the ministry issued a circular to hotels asking them to accept lone women. As long as their information is sent to the local police station. <laughs> 
Our partners in peace. You know, Mike Huckabee do really well over there. Uh, Saudi women, under strict Islamic law, suffer severe restrictions on their daily lives. They're not allowed to be anywhere with an unrelated man, cannot drive, appear before a judge without a male representative, or travel abroad without a male guardian's permission. Uh, Saudi women have complained that they've been severely inconvenienced by the rules, banning them from staying at hotels alone. Another woman, uh, Fatima Igran, uh, said her son-in-law uh, quarreled with his wife and daughters and threw them out of the house. When they tried to get a hotel room, they were asked to get permission from the police. You know, Islam is the religion of peace, Tim. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad they're helping us bring democracy yes. and freedom <laughs> to the Middle say, East. I'm glad that Saudi Arabia is yeah. there to, when they're not busy sending hijackers over to crash planes into our buildings. Thankfully, we sent them like $20 billion Jesus. worth of weapons last Friday. Let me ask you this, Tim. To, to the best of your uh, knowledge, are women allowed to travel freely in Saudi Arabia? In other words, no. can a woman get a passport and just uh, decide to, uh, to leave the country? I don't believe so, no. Because no, okay. he just read without permission from a man. But that's staying in a hotel. No, no, he said leave the country also. Really? Did you say leave the country? Oh, I must have missed that. So, I mean, really, okay, look, I hate to sound all Ann Coulter about this, but let's just be honest. There are countries that have moved into the 20th, there are countries that have moved into the 20th century, and then there are countries that remain firmly entrenched in the outmoded past. Don't you feel like if we're if we're going to have this sort of uh, the, the active uh, this interventionist foreign policy where we go over and just start preemptively cleaning house? As I said to Lisa one time, I don't mean to be all serious about this, but I mean if George Bush had just said, "Look, uh, you know, we do things uh, sometimes things in this country we don't do so well. We have our failings, we have our flaws, but in many ways we have our act together more than the rest of the world. So you know what? We're going to start going door to door." And we are just going to bring everybody strip clubs and Starbucks, and the rest of the world is going to end up being, a, you know, a capitalist democracy, whether they like it or not. And it's going to be long and hard and cost millions of lives and millions of dollars, but the, the rest of the world will eventually look like America. You know, and that's just the way it's going to have to be. I mean, I would have gotten me. I would have been like, well, okay. All right. I mean, okay, I, I guess, full disclosure. Instead of just picking Iraq for, like, no reason and going over there and just, you know, throwing everything down a sewer. So. What we really stayed Iraq for last because at least Hussein kept his people in line. <laughs> what we really ought to do, though, seriously, we ought to get, as Sam Kinison used to say about, about you know, the people who are starving in the desert, you know, you don't send them food, you send them U-Hauls. You just go over and get your kids, get your crap, we're going to make one trip, we're going to where the food is. We had to just start taking a bunch of those ships like they have at the beginning of Saving Private Ryan, you know, where you pull up on the beach and the, and the gate comes down, except we're going to send empty ships, and we're going to pull up to, like, the borders of Saudi Arabia and every one of those countries, and we're just going to bring a bunch of empty ships, and we're going to have just a huge loudspeaker, and we're going to say, women of Saudi Arabia, let's go. We're just going to go over, and we'll just pick up the women, and we'll bring them back over here, and we'll, like, you know, let them live on Wisteria Lane or whatever. I mean, they win, we win. People in Saudi Arabia have, uh, you know, they have to, the, the people, the men who are left will just have to beat each other for amusement. So, Jesus, I really do feel like we ought to just, uh, just got to go over and make one trip. Say, everybody who is tired of living in this retarded country, <laughs> come with us. We will take you to where life is good. Jesus, God. All right, here's Tim Riley. Ladies News. A new Kaiser Permanente study shows stronger evidence that caffeine consumption during pregnancy increases the risk of a miscarriage. The study showed women who consume 200 milligrams or more of caffeine a day, that's two or more cups of regular coffee or five cans of caffeinated soda, had twice the miscarriage risk as a woman who consumed no caffeine at all. Well, Pam Anderson does drink a lot of coffee, Tim. Yeah, good to know. I'm going to log that one away in the back of my head. <laughs> you got it fixed. You don't yeah. have to worry about that. That's true. A convicted child molester and British rock icon Gary Glitter has been treated in the Vietnamese hospital. The singer, whose real name is Paul Francis Gad, was taken after uh, suffering an irregular heartbeat and diarrhea. 
In March of 2006, he was convicted of molesting two girls, ages 11 and 2. Glitter. I barely knew her. He denied claims that he abused the girls, saying he had uh, one of his girls in bed, and he knew that he had uh, crossed the lock. Wait, what? He had... I don't understand. Well, he admitted to doing wrong things. But he he huh. denied molesting them? Yes. He knew he crossed the line. He just admitted that he had a 10-year-old in bed with him, mm -hmm. with whom he crossed the line. Yes. Okay. There you go. Can I mention something? Please do. All right. Here's something that I'm, I'm surprised this hasn't happened. I am surprised that there hasn't been, and, and again, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter to me, but I am surprised that there has not been some sort of weird public push to stop the playing of that rock and roll part two song at every sporting event in the world. Because, you know, every time that plays on television, he makes money. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and everybody knows that song, right? It's that, dun, 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 hey. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, that's a Gary Glitter song, and that's played at every sporting event on earth. And every single time they play that uh, at a sporting event, especially if it's on television, and if it's on television, you have to pay more because you have to get what's called a synchronization license. Um, every time that's played at a sporting event, or for that matter on the radio, Gary Glitter, a convicted child molester, makes money. And so I really am surprised that some busybody activist group hasn't decided to make that their personal crusade to, like, replace that song with something they else. They did for a while, and then it slowly came back. Because I remember when that first happened. Right. And they did stop playing it. And they had decided really? that they weren't going to be playing this anymore. And then it slowly just kind of snuck its way back in. Yeah, well, because it's just too entrenched of a song. But I, it does surprise me that there isn't some sort of, like, parents group or whatever that hasn't demanded that the NFL or... You know, pick your sporting event. Uh, that they haven't demanded that they stop playing that. It's just strange. Yeah, our, our high school would play that. You know, during football games. Right. But parents would protest if they played. Um, we are the champions. Of course. They, Freddie Mercury was of the game. The gay. Mm. There is something really satisfying though about when you watch you know, like football or whatever. And Big burly like men. Fifty thousand rednecks. Fifty thousand rednecks like just chanting along with this like flaming homosexual. Knowing from, when uh, he thinks that he's from a hard and he's prancing around the stage. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. in like in like tight yellow pants. <laughs> Looking like Robert Plant impersonating Daffy Duck. Yeah, with Burt Reynolds' mustache. Here's, here's Tim Riley. Now, speaking of that, today, crews start filming the story of Harvey Milk, a first openly gay politician in California who was assassinated after about one year in office. And the person who's uh, putting this together is uh, screenwriter and director uh, Gus Van Zandt. Activist Cleve Jones is credited with making this project happen. And here he is saying something. Two guys of different generations who knew this story so well and, and had wanted to tell it for so long. So uh, Sean Penn is Harvey Milk. Really? Yeah. I can see that, actually. Yeah, he kind of looks like him. Yeah, the... Uh, now, what is the documentary that I've seen of it? Is it... He's not the mayor of Castro Street, because that's this, I think. This movie that Sean Penn is starring in. Mm -hmm. I think there's the one, the the life... Uh, it's either... The, oh, The Life and Times? The Life and Times of Harvey Milk. Yeah, that's a uh, um, documentary. The Harvey Milk uh, case, by the way, is really interesting, because um, th that is... This guy, I think his name is Dan... God, is it Dan Whitney? Dan White. Dan White. Um, Dan White is this was this off-duty cop uh, who shot and killed uh, Harvey Milk and, and a couple other guys. Um, and he, uh, you hear that phrase, the Twinkie defense, sometimes. And Dan White was actually the guy who created that phrase. Dan White claimed when he went to trial for killing Harvey Milk, his, uh, his defense was that he was temporarily insane because of a sugar balance due to, wait for it, too many Twinkies that day. That was like his actual defense in court. He's like, well, Your Honor, yes, I did shoot him in the head, and yes, I did walk down the hall and shoot some other people, but you see, I'd had all these Twinkies, 
And that was like his, like in a court of, like in a United States courtroom. That was his defense. And so now whenever you hear the Twinkie defense referred to, that's kind of what they're talking about there. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, it looks like Cloverfield has set the January box office record of $41 million. Yeah. It is his first monster hit release of 2008. Uh, let's see. Number two was a chick flick. 27 dresses with 22 million. Then the bucket list. I don't know what that's about. The bucket list is a terrible film. No, I haven't seen it. Yes, I'm judging it by its cover. The terrible film with uh, Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. We passed on it. Yeah, there was then no that way. motion picture uh, glorifying teenage pregnancy. I'm sure all parents enjoy the motion picture Juno that came in fourth place. Uh, National Treasure Book of Secrets, eight million dollars. And rounding up the top ten is. Uh, Anointment or atonement. Anointment. With uh, four point eight million. I'd like to see the new movie Ointment here on KCMD Port. Thank you for not doing the. Uh, did you know the new Jason Bateman film came in fourth? <laughs> no. Hello. I don't, no, the, what are you trying to accomplish by saying that? Nothing. The um, hey, that Jack Nicholson film though, it, it does look to be terrible, and apparently it's just completely and wholly without merit. Uh, which didn't stop it from being uh, last uh, last week's number one in Scotty J's America. Uh, but it does sort of pilfer that idea I've had for the longest time for like a Wilford Brimley type road trip film about a bunch of guys, like one, you know, a bunch of old guys, like they're all 80 years old, one of them has cancer, and then they travel across the country to go to a whorehouse. I've had that idea forever. This is sort of like that, though, where it's like Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman are old and dying, and so they draw up this list of things they want to do before they die. There's a horrible movie with the same concept I just thought called Things to Do. Uh-huh. It is, hands down, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. What? It's exactly the same plot. And it's an interesting concept. Like, you could see how you could make a good film out of that. In fact, one of the uh, we almost had this guy in for an interview last year, and I don't think we ever did, but a guy who wrote this book called A Thousand Things to Do Before You Die, uh, which actually is a pretty good book. I ended up passing on the interview for whatever reason, but it, it could be made into a good movie. It, this just isn't it, apparently, so... Uh, nominations for the much-scaled-back Academy Awards is set to be revealed tomorrow. The announcement regarding the 80th annual event will take place at the Samuel Goldwyn Theater in Beverly Hills at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, or 5.30 a.m. our time. Uh, the big reveal will also be streamed live on Oscar.com. Final Oscar balance will be mailed to members of the Academy Wednesday, like we're members of that. Uh, the 80th annual Academy Awards is scheduled to air live Sunday, February 24th at 8 p.m., and that's when the Kodak Theater in Hollywood producers at the event uh, have told the L.A. Times that the show will go on even if major stars choose to boycott due to the ongoing. Oh Hollywood man, I hope strike. there's I hope there's a boycott just because I want to see I just I want I hope there's a boycott and I know that Tim is rooting the other way. I know you were I know you're hoping that it all comes together. Now is that simply now is that because you're a fan of the pageant? You just like the pomp and circumstance of it? I do. I like glamour. All right. You know, and and don't get me wrong. Choice between St. John's and Hollywood? I'll take Hollywood (laughs) and the Kodak Theater any time. I've seen seen it the other way. You speak for us all, Tim Riley. Don't get me wrong. I like the big over-the-top gala, too. Uh, Although I do have... uh, At least this one year, this one time, I hope that the strike holds through the Oscars this one time for the same reason that I hope Hillary Clinton gets the nomination. I just want to see S hit the fan. That's my whole thing. It really, anything that I root for, anything that I wish for, any end that I try to achieve is really only because I like to see discord and disruption. So I would like to see what happens to the Academy Awards if there's this weird, irresistible force, immovable object thing. Because I saw it with the Golden Globes, where it was like a 55-minute press conference, where it was just Larry King, and, and then somebody up on stage going, and the winner is uh, Richard Belzer. Bam! They show up like a, a file photo of Richard Belzer. All right. Uh, and it, literally, it was like this. The Golden Globes... 
It's like some Mary Hartley type woman. Is that the Entertainment Tonight woman? Mary Hart? I guess so. Whatever her name is. Whatever. It, literally, it was a woman up there going, all right, uh, best actor, uh, dramatic series. Uh, Ted Danson. All right. Uh, best actor, comedic series, uh, well, Jim they, Belushi. They would show, like, YouTube clips from yeah. other things they've done. <laughs> they would, yeah, they would. Or they would just show, like, a bad grainy file photograph right. of Jim Belushi. All right, there you go. Uh, all right. You know what, though? Best comedy series, Curb Your Enthusiasm. All right. Best dramatic series, 24. And it was, like, 55 minutes, and then done. Done, over, finished. It was great. Just as long as it's not as painful as watching Queen Latifah try to, quote, host the People's Choice Awards. I must have missed that. You did miss that. That happened about a week ago, and that also, because there was no writers, no one attended. Right. But they were going to still go on with it. So Queen Latifah, in this poor choice of an outfit, was in front of a green screen and just was singing and dancing and hosting it like there was an audience and really? there were people. Oh, that's sad. It was just the most awkward thing <laughs> I'd ever seen. Like a Fred Thompson uh, campaign uh -huh. rally, pretending there's an audience. People's Choice Awards. She's singing and dancing. And, oh, oh, man, yeah. it was painful. Yeah. All right, here's Tim Riley. Vietnam has seized more than a ton of rattlesnakes found aboard a Vietnamese Airlines flight from Bangkok. On their it way the to a whiskey factory. In a month. Mm -hmm. now, some snakes were found in air cargo. The snakes whose scientific names are Pitius mucucus and are a protected species were found in more than 60 boxes arriving at Hanoi's Noi Bai Airport. Uh, there's a great possibility that Vietnam is the only transit point for this type of snake. The snakes were transferred to an animal carrying station nearby. Are you really telling me that they found a million dollars worth of snakes on a plane? Yes, he yes. is. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, they were a, promptly bottled and sold to tourists. As a side note, this email says, Rick, I took my folks out to dinner at a Thai restaurant in southeast Portland this weekend. What did they have on the front counter next to the cash register? Two bottles of Cobra whiskey. The gentleman said uh, that it was sake rather than whiskey, and so they came from Vietnam or uh, Thailand. He said uh, people actually drink it, although I didn't ask if they sold shots of it. One of the bottles had the cobra position, so it looked like it was biting the scorpion in the bottle, which is how ours was. He said, very cute. It was at uh, Papaya Thai, located off Milwaukee in West uh, Selwood. The food was quite uh, good. Best show ever. There you go. Uh, let's see. And then we've got... Um this is actually pretty funny. This is, this is a guy back on the Fred Thompson cooking a squirrel inside a popcorn popper, as we all have done. He says, Rick... That is the most goddamn bizarre statement I've ever heard from anybody, uh, I've ever heard anyone say in trying to appear poor and likable. This would be the equivalent of Giuliani waxing about the good old days where he would catch pigeons in Central Park and stew them in a rice cooker. Or Fred Thompson talking about what life was like in the 17th century New Orleans when he was the king of the vampires and could catch <laughs> his own victims. <laughs> That's a great email. Well done. Um... But have you noticed that, too, where they're all trying to, like, outpour each other? Yeah. Like, no one who ever runs for president says, well, I had a pretty comfortable upbringing. Nothing to complain about. Everybody's like, well, I grew up in a house made of mud. They, um, Fred Thompson actually said this. I said, this is another, I wish we had this. Fred Thompson actually said the... <laughs> That's someone uh, rehearsing applause for the Academy Awards. Okay. Fred Thompson was being interviewed the other day, and somebody brought up something about tax cuts for the middle class or something for the poor, whatever. Um, baby refunds for people who shouldn't be having babies. And Fred Thompson actually made the statement. He said, well, you know what? I can outpour any of the candidates. I mean, who says something like that? I can outpour any of the candidates. So, anyway, there you go. And uh, da -da -da -da. here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, what, do we do? Uh, what do we do a Britney watch here? Here's your Britney watch for uh, Monday.
Well, nobody covered the fact that she did show up for her deposition this morning. So she did show up for things. Then, her relationship with a paparazzo may be over. Uh, the pop star filed a restraining order against photographer Abdon Ghalib. The pair of uh, paparazzi members claimed Britney's friend Sam Lefty showed them the document early yesterday morning. Britney and Adnan had been spending lots of personal time together since December. Uh, he issued a statement saying he was unaware of the restraining order because he was attending a family funeral over the weekend. He added, quote, I hope to be back in L.A. soon and be in contact with Miss Spears, unquote. Is that the, really, is that all the Britney news we have today? Yeah, she showed up for court. Yeah, she was boring this weekend. Yeah. She well, showed up for court when? This morning. What kind of... Well, that doesn't make any sense, though. Why would a court be open on MLK Day? I don't know. I mean, I thought all bu- I thought all government business was sort of suspended. Well, except for Brittany Court. I was just going to say, yeah. please please tell me that they just opened the court just for Brittany. Mm-hmm. All right, wonderful. Well, more as it happens. There's your Brittany Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Arcade. I think I know why. If it was a state court, uh-huh. remember my mom told me because she works for the state in California, and I think uh, for states they don't close for MLK, they close for states are Chavez, which is a California state holiday. Oh, that would make sense. So, uh, let's see. This email says, Rick, I had the answer to Fred Thompson's speech. Wasn't it Miss South Carolina that explained the hunger in Africa by explaining that Americans don't have maps? Also, this country does have a long history of notable leaders making entire speeches filled with non-sequiturs. Uh, he says, this is signed, I'm enjoying my last holiday before I have to go back to work forever because of the stock market crash. Very. All right, there you go. Uh, let's see. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, uh, hey sir. Sir, sir, sir. Hello, could you turn up your radio, please? Yeah, thank you. Just turn it up. No. It's turn... done now. Okay. Hey, that, they quit playing that song when he got busted, Gary Glitter. The uh, rock and roll part too, so they don't. Yeah, they don't play it at the NFL games anymore. So what you hear now is a uh, crazy train. Really? That, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't even make any sense. It makes no sense at all. But you know, <laughs> the other song made sense. But you know, it's like. Well, the other know. no, but no, but the other song didn't make any sense either. I mean, the, that's the weird thing about rock and roll part two. Is I mean, okay, so if they quit playing, the, that actually, I mean. That actually, it does. It surprises me that it took this long to do it. But okay, so they quit playing the Gary Glitter song. But what I never understood about Gary Glitter is why that song anyway. Like, there are no lyrics to the song except for rock and roll. Hey, like I never understood. I thought the I thought the Globe tried to start using it, and they would do they would do like basketball now they use Sweet Georgia Brown. Well, they use a lot of different songs in there a bit. They use a, they use a fair amount, but Crazy Train is what you hear mainly. Weird. I wonder if that's just yeah. like the invisible hand of Sharon Osbourne uh, born structuring <laughs> that deal somehow. All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, wait. One question. Yes. What was that song that you play on your last break? I don't know. How did it go? You know, no, you know, the one when you come in from your last break. Uh, at the, you mean at the end of the show? At the end of the show, yeah. When the, you uh, the, the saddest the, part of the day. Oh, uh, that is the Guns N' Roses version of Since I Don't Have You, originally done by the Skyliners. It is the, Since I Don't Have You. Yeah, huh? it is the lead track on the Guns N' Roses album, The Spaghetti Incident. Okay, and hey, did you ever listen to that uh, CD, that Christmas CD, Slade? Yes, yes, I did. Isn't that, that's not too bad, uh, huh? It, it was incredibly explicit, but not bad. Yeah, 
you gave me a bunch of crap for it, but I just kind of wanted to fling it out there, not for you to play it on the radio. I do like it when people just want to fling things out there, sir. There you go. One, one other thing. Yes. Do you realize this is the third one other thing you've given us today? I got lots of one other things. All right. You want to hear the, the most annoying ever, noise ever? Hold on. Let's take a vote. Who wants to hear the most annoying noise ever? As long as it's not a bodily induced noise. Yes, it's going to be a not. bodily function, sir. It's, it's not. Let me ask you this. Hold on. It's not a bodily function. Right. Is it a sound that comes out of your body in any way? No. Is it a sound made by a paint mixing machine? No. It's a sound made by an antique. Okay. Is it right. Fred Thompson? Go ahead. There you go. No, it's not Fred Thompson. Or it is not Hillary Clinton either. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, that is pretty annoying. What yeah, is it? That is annoying. What is it's it, sir? A, it's an antique car horn. Please do it again. Okay, wait. Yeah. It sounds like a taser. It does. It sounds like it's jolting. It is. It's just some. I don't know what the hell is inside of it. So is this the old kind of car that you? It's like a hand crank. It's a. It's got a big button on the top, and you push it down. Tim, do you know what he's talking about? No. All right. Tim's not that old. Uh, no, but he is a man of the world. He's not he a man of the world. Many things. All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, take care, Rick. Bye now. How'd I call this warm me out for some reason? Yeah. I don't know why. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Tim, sir, geek. Hello. Hey. <laughs> uh, were you watching the MSNBC coverage Saturday morning when uh, Mike Barnacle from the Boston Herald was on? Uh, when, 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 where? When Mike Barnacle yeah. was on. Uh, <laughs> did you hear what he said? No. He said the South Carolina primary would have been much more interesting if Fred Thompson was still alive. <laughs> Mike, Barnacle, just, Mike Barnacle Mike, is, is best known to probably uh, many Mr. people Boy in the Trevor. radio audience. What, that, and he used to be on the IMA show all the time. Yeah, a lot. Um, now, Fred Thompson just, I mean, I didn't even really feel sorry for him because he's rich and he's kind of hot wife. But, I mean, yeah. he just, he really just, you could sense the whole vibe there was, well, they told me this was a good idea, but I... Uh, now I see the error of my ways. Like he well, could, his, his face is falling off like John Kerry. Just, just waiting to get off stage. All right, thank yeah. you. Hey, hey uh, yeah. have you ever seen Munich? Yes, I have, the Spielberg film. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Hillary, uh, Golda Meir type thing, making decisions? I mean, I, I, I uh, don't support the woman, but if she was president, I wouldn't be afraid unless I was somebody who... who uh, unless you were her enemy? Unless I cross the yeah, United one, States of America. Or her personally. You don't get, let's not misunderstand Hillary Clinton. You cross her personally, you better buy steel shutters. Oh, absolutely. No, I, you know what? I will tell you this. Even the most strident anti-Hillary folks, even people who just wake up every day and their whole existence is just a furious mix of fear and loathing for Hillary Clinton, I have never heard anybody say... Uh, that that they don't think she would be tough on our enemies. I mean, I think Hillary. I think she'd be like a first striker. I mean, yeah, I think I went, she, I went through that whole period of hating her, and uh, I, I guess maybe you grow up and you get out of that, you just deal what's going on. But this may be, even though we've got all these candidates, it might be the worst field we've ever had. Oh no, so that's unless you're me, sir. This is the yeah, best. unless you're in the entertainment business, it's going to be great. That's the best we've ever had. And no we, matter who we know, get, means friendship. And no, it's true. Thank you. Bye. All right. Seemed like the callers just started to fray at the edges a little bit. People are a little crazy today. At the beginning of the program, yeah. they were really tight. Tight, bright, and out of sight, as they used to say. Last hour or so, the callers just started to kind of come apart at the seams. Tim is nodding his head in silent agreement. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So we have a lot of other things uh, going on here. Excellent. First of all, 
<laughs> First of all, error. Nothing. Error. Warning. Unexpected error. Okay, well, my Cardomatic is updating it. <laughs> Would you like to report the problem to Microsoft? Information in real time. Well, hold on. I'll just, uh, I could just kill time by, uh, wait, hold on. Here we go. I'll, uh, let me just, uh, just roll something out here to kill the, uh, to kill the time. Is this Elton John? Sure. Might as well be. No. We are uh, uploading here. Remembering Lacey, oh, no. how her <laughs> smile would make you smile. And this, this is going to go just as slow as it can, just because yeah. this is playing. There's no oh, it is about a dead blonde girl. Error warning. Okay, well, set to go. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Oh, we got to wait for the end of the end. <laughs> wait at the end of this line. And she smiles and says, we're all right. And we send our love to you. I weep for anybody who has perfect pitch out there. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, <laughs> Chuck Norris is uh, dismissing John McCain's campaign bid, saying the Arizona... Now we just vanished completely. <laughs> so full okay. of life and happiness was pretty lazy's life. Meanwhile, <laughs> Chuck Norris is dismissing John McCain's presidential bid, saying the Arizona senator is much too old for the job. Well, John... To, to put under the pressure. Are they laughing at Chuck Norris? <laughs> but put under the pressure of that, I just don't think he would have the stamina to put up with it. Uh, President Asia, quickly. Look at our presidents. Look at George W. Look how he's aged in those seven years. Look at uh, Bill Clinton, how he aged in those eight years in office. So, you, you know, these presidents average a three to one in age. Nah, he's a poor man's Chris Christopherson. He is. All right. What happened, Tim? It says enter bloodsaves.com. <laughs> With little Connor on the way. Just my computer appears to be nothing so down before my eyes. Till the two of them together. Perhaps you can come back to me a little bit later. What seems to be happening? I'm not touching this thing, <laughs> <laughs> and it's giving me warnings. It's uh, signing itself out of, uh, well, do you suppose that Bill Gates is punishing you for all of the ill you've spoken of his firm? More than likely, <clears throat> and I didn't do so wrongingly, now did I? And she smiles and says, we love you to the one she's loved before. All right, we'll take a break. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I just, the, my favorite thing about when your computer does this is like the, the look of complete, it's like frustration mixed with confusion, like anger mixed with puzzlement. I wish I was home right now on a real computer. <laughs> Back after this with Tim Riley, Aaron Geek in the City, Duran, Sarah Dillon, uh, your phone calls and more. Stay there. Out, you bastard. All right. Anywho. Well, she sounds like a very lovely lady. Mm-hmm. 
awkward. Five oh three. He's gonna go home to more tortillas pizzas. I'm jazzed when the show's over. Go right back to the Wii and pizza. A lovely lady. Is that Florence Henderson you're speaking of? Yeah. Where is it? If I can ask, where's Jen? She's in Seattle, hanging out with the girls. Excellent. Oh, Old college roommates. Her female friends. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> they're having pillow fights. <laughs> are they? Yes, they are. All right. I was told explicitly that they would be having pillow fights. Excellent. And sent pictures. That's the same question I asked Laura, who's in Panama. Mm-hmm. So she's. Uh, 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 see, I, I sometimes I open my mouth to say to say stuff, and I know that. Things we say in this program, people don't take that seriously because they are shot through with a little bit of humor because it's you know it's a show and whatever. But it trickles through these filters through other people. That's the thing is yeah. that's the thing is it's never. And Jim and Sarah and I tell every single person who comes to work on the show this. We told I mean I, I mean I was telling Christina this. I remember telling um, who else? Well, Scotty of course, and then you know, that Richie. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we always tell people like if you have a significant other, a spouse, or whatever, a don't listen, don't listen, don't tell, you know, don't let them listen. And if they do, uh, you know, hear about it, just tell them to disregard what their friends say, and that it ends in the word show. Exactly. It mm-hmm. is the Rick Emerson show. And while we don't just, you know, we don't make stuff up, but everything, you know, but, but, but things get sort of, you know, I don't know, exaggerated is the wrong word. But I mean, you we know, embellish but it's, well, yeah. then things are just done with, you know, everything is sort of done with a smile. It is not a mean spirited radio program. So things that are said are just, you know, we have our share of sort of black humor, but I mean, everything is just that. It's humor. Um, and so as I always, it's like, you know, I went through this with Lara early on. I said, look, here's the thing. You shouldn't listen. <laughs> And more than that, don't pay attention to what your friends tell you about the show. Because if you are on the radio, or, and I imagine if it's the same if you're in most fields of entertainment, if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever, they are always going to have a friend who listens and then gives them some horrifically misrepresented version of what happened on the show. Mm-hmm. And so Sarah... And says so without a smile, yeah. without a hint. And Lara has friends that have done this in the past, where it's all of, well, I heard what Rick was saying on the show today, and I cannot believe that you are married to him. because I've been, around, I, I've been around those friends when it happened. Oh, Thanks yeah. for oh, that, no, by the way. No, I, no Lara, La, Lara and a friend uh, were at dinner at Aaron and Jen's one time, and there was a whole God. lot of like, well, I heard what he was saying on the air the other day, and I was horrified, and I cannot believe you would stay with a man who, you know... And of course they said, so you're that chick? Yeah, oh. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? So I know everything gets filtered through a weird sort of channel of friends. I'm just going to say this. So Lara is in Panama uh, with a uh, uh, with a with a female friend of hers, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to say, hot. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm hoping there's some pillow fighting going on there it's as well. It's a hot land. It is. Spicy it's, no, it's, a, it's a land full of passion, Aaron. Looks well, like I'm not supposed to talk about last Saturday night. What was last Saturday? Oh, I had to go to a company party. What happened? Why? What happened? Nothing. Nothing bad. Tim's got news. What are you holding back? Nothing. Okay, Wait, you do you know something that. That, that you're trying to tell us, but you're kind of afraid to tell us? Are you no. trying to tell us something between the lines? No. What happened last Saturday that you're not supposed to talk about? Nothing. Now you have to tell us. I don't Nothing happened. Then why would you bring why up last Why would you Saturday? say Someone that you might can't have, talk about it? No, there's a, there's a co-worker that might have a crush on my wife. And it's, a it's a co-worker of ours or of yours? No, of hers. So Jen has a coworker that has a crush on her. I think so. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. So is she hot? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. No, so it's all so it's all good then. Yeah, that's true. All right. I was just told not to bring it up. So, oops. <laughs> that is, that's exactly how this show rolls. Don't promise I, me something. Don't ask me to do something when I'm drunk. It's not going to lock in. I wasn't supposed to say anything, but what can you do? At the Ministry of Truth, ladies and gentlemen, you can bow before him because he is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Parade of 
progress. Over the next 30 days, motorist parking in the downtown Vancouver area will see the mechanical parking meters that they're familiar with replaced with new space-age electronic meters. Replacement parts for the old ones are no longer available. The new one-hour, 90-minute, and two-hour meters will still offer free 20-minute parking. This is a, a feature that insiders knew about with the mechanical meters. It's even easier with the new devices. Just press free time on front of the meter. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Parking meters. Are they getting like the ones we have? The... I haven't seen them. Wait, where is this happening? Vancouver. Vancouver, Washington? Yes. They have cars? They have... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go a different way. Um, what do you mean there's free parking? There's free parking. Just push the free time button in front of the meter. Vancouver, the downtown Vancouver had this kind of, you know, good, friendly neighbor rule. You got 20 Why don't minutes. we have that? What are you looking at me for? I don't you know. You work for the city. No, I don't. Oh, you used to? I used to. I still you have... used to work for the city. <clears throat> Well, that makes I've me got angry. a construction hood. I can put up whatever I want. I don't care. I will. Have to, well, you know what? You know what's sweet here at, at uh, CBS is we have that company vehicle, and it's got this uh, sweet media pass that lets you park anywhere: handicap zones, fire zones, front of a hydrant. Doesn't matter. I got to take that to scan you want. It. Oh man, it's genius. Yeah. You put it right there, media, and just park. It's like you're like a doctor. You just park anywhere you feel like it. So people in Vancouver get free 20-minute parking, and yet here we have to pay for everything. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, they come try to encourage here. people to go to Vancouver. <laughs> that, I was just going to say Because they all come down here to shop because that you may not have free parking, but we don't have any taxes. <laughs> I, and also it's Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Plus, I was going to say, we do actually raise a lot of money from parking meters to for, you know, civic enhancements, which I guess they've just given up on in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> come to Vancouver, but only stay for 20 minutes. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, by the way, the new rates at the Park and Go Vancouver Center Garage are in effect today. It now costs 75 cents an hour to park in the Vancouver garage. <laughs> That's outrageous. That's like the yearly salary of a typical Vancouver family. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, man. You know, I, as much as we bitch about parking on this program, and we do because there's so many things about parking in Portland that are done poorly, I will have to say, you spend a day in another city, another state, and you really do appreciate those electronic parking meters they have downtown. I mean, where you can... You know, you, you put your whatever, and you get your ticket. You put it on your, you know, the, your sticker. You put it in the window, and then you could park somewhere else and use that same uh, time. That really mm -hmm. is wonderful. I mean, it is fantastic. Uh, all you have to do is drive to another city that has parking meters, but is still using the old hand crank variety. Mm -hmm. And you really do, uh, you really do appreciate that. And you can get a pre-degree. You can get a preloaded card in Portland. Is that true? Yeah, you can go to the transportation office downtown and buy like a twenty-dollar card, like a debit card. Yeah, the same thing. That way, you just kind of keep it in your glove box wherever you go. And when it runs out, it won't work anymore, but you can always refill that card. Excellent. Yeah. Here's Tim Riley. So things are getting easier in Vancouver, I guess. Well, a North Portland landmark could be coming down and is generating some passion over whether or not to protect it. It is the Crown Motel sign that's been on North Interstate since 1959. But in a few weeks, the motel in its classic time will be demolished to make room for a... A new housing project. Now, I got an email about that today. It's funny you bring this up. Uh, I got... Um, Atomic um, Age something. Right? Uh, the Atomic Age Alliance. The Atomic Age Alliance sent me a press release. Now, you know why we love the Atomic Age, Tim? Because it's from the 1940s to 1960s. Architecture and design. Then the Atomic Age Alliance are the ones who put on that GI Dream exhibit oh, at the true. Oregon History Museum. Yeah. They are fantastic. I love those guys. Um, do you have the press release? I do. We should get somebody... Uh, read it? You should set that aside, and we should get somebody from that group on tomorrow. All right. All right. Sitting... Fantastic. Yeah, they are very into, like, the 40s through the 60s architecture, design, where everything was the starburst and the sparkles and the boomerang yeah. formica and everything. Um, and so they're trying to keep that. There is, in fact, there used to be at the Ross Island Grocery 
Um, when, I, when I used to live right by there, uh, I would go to the Ross Island Grocery sometimes, and they had the... It's one of those things, and not to get back on a topic we had a few weeks ago, but how art is just outrageously expensive sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm you know, I understand that artists want to make money and they want to you know they want to have some material return on their work. I understand that. But did you ever notice that like when you go to uh, you, when you see small art by people you've never heard of, like this is a weird thing. You can buy uh, a like a whatever like what's the most famous. Um, the most famous uh, painting of you, like a Mona Lisa print or like a Water Lilies print or yeah. something, and they're like four dollars. You can go to Fred Meyer. What's this? Well, it's a print by Picasso, one of the world's greatest artists, and you know, living, you know, the icon of, you know, how much is it? Three dollars. And then I go to Ross Island uh, Grocery, and they're selling like a series of pictures by like a local photographer. Each picture, four hundred and ninety-five dollars. Which just doesn't make any sense. There's just no economy of scale going on there. But it was fantastic. Um, you would have loved this, Tim. It was a whole series of photographs of old-school neon signs on oh. hotels. It was like hotel, motel, and diner neon signs across America taken at dusk. Oh. So it was all of these like great like 50s diners and 50s-style like side-of-the-road hotel joints. And this guy had just gone across the country. He had driven the whole stretch of America. And had stopped at it had at either dawn or dusk had taken these beautiful photographs of these old neon signs, just beautiful and stuff like that. You just don't see that stuff anymore. It's just vanishing. So uh, it's a real shame about that sign. We should talk to somebody from there. So I'll put this aside. Please In do. The, to call area. Thank you. All right. Uh, Keeper Sutherland is out of jail after serving 48 days on drunk driving charges. Two police spokesmen did not return phone calls about the confirmation, but a police official who spoke on condition that uh, don't say my name. Uh, wasn't authorized to speak, but he confirmed that Sutherland had been released. Uh, Keeper said he looked like he was glad to be out. He is the star of the Fox television program 24. He spent his sentence cleaning sheets, pillowcases, and blankets on laundry duty. He's very humble. He never complained. Never gave us any problems at all, they said. He pleaded no contest in October to driving with a blood alcohol level above the legal limit of .08. He was sentenced to 30 days as well as 18 days for violating probation. This is from a 2004 drunk driving arrest. So that Remember, you don't have to blow a .08. No. <laughs> There's another one of those billboards, by the way, on... Um... It's like McLaughlin, I think, or something, like by, by Reed College. There's, of course it is. There's another one that says, like, and every, you know, man, every one of those billboards you see, you drive by, and you're like, you don't have to blow, what? And then and then you kind of go, oh, 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 point oh 0.08. I'm sorry, Why did sorry. Kiefer go to jail, but, like, Brittany in Paris didn't? Oh, dude. Welcome to the I last. I Lindsay Lohan spends, like, 82 minutes in jail. Yeah. Welcome I mean, to the last month of our show. No, I mean, I'm not saying it's good. That, I mean, drunk driving is clearly wrong. But, you know, at least Kiefer did his time, and, he, you know, he's like, I blew it. Sorry. Yeah. I'm going to do my time. I know. No he, no, he did it like a man. Yeah, I'll go watch 24 now. Yeah. Here's Tim Riley. Alabama Supreme Court has sided with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen on that lawsuit filed by an etiquette teacher who unknowingly appeared in the hit movie Barat. The judges overruled a lower court, saying Katie Martin signed an agreement stating that only courts in New York could hear disputes about her appearance. That means she can't sue Cohen and the companies that produce the movie in Alabama. Uh, she hasn't returned phone calls. In the movie, Cohen plays a journalist, blah, 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 blah. He gives out uh, random high fives and says, very nice al- along the way. During a segment in Alabama, he's had etiquette lessons from Martin and is shown in the movie presenting guests at a dinner party with a bag of human feces. <laughs> the Supreme Court was polite enough not to go through details of the dinner. It is signi- uh, uh, sufficient to say that it was an eventful meal. It ensued when the alleged reporter engaged in behavior that would generally be considered boorish and offensive, said the judge. 
Uh, Martin claims she was humiliated by the encounter. You know, the worst and funniest part of that entire dinner sequence in Borat, and typically I am not a big fan of, um, of like, ambush comedy, uh, which is the reason I didn't like the Ali G show, which is his last project. I, I really don't typically like comedy that comes from someone being interviewed under false pretenses. It's typically, I, I view it as kind of a cheap way to get a laugh, and I always kind of feel bad for the person who's being hoodwinked. Um, but Borat is done so well that it, I, I sort of let it pass, and it, you know it is very funny. <laughs> a great awful moment during the dinner when there's the two women, one one attractive and one less so, and he's talking to the attractive woman. He goes, "In my, you know, he's just one of you know, in my country, you would be worth many cows and much admiration. This one, no, <laughs> or whatever." <laughs> you just feel so bad, but, it, but it's that sort of like where you're laughing and then trying to suck the laugh back in at the same time because you feel terrible. So, you, I make long, sexy time. You, you go pull potatoes. <laughs> and with the goat. <laughs> uh, Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's still cold out there, and it's going to continue to be cold. Are oh, you kidding, man? That's outside shivering. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You were standing outside for like ten minutes. Yep. Well, Tim and I sitting there going on about Mike Huckabee cooking a squirrel in a popcorn machine. Colder than a wampus <laughs> rectum. And sh- what was that? What? 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 Huh? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I'm the president of the Atomic Age Alliance. Are you indeed, or are you just calling up and goofing? Uh, I'm not goofing. It's truth. What is your name, sir? My name is Austin. Austin, and uh, you guys at the Atomic Age Alliance, uh, what an unexpected surprise this is. Imagine that, an actual listener. Yes, that's redundant. Um, So you guys helped put together that GI Dream exhibit. Yeah, that's true. Which uh, Tim Riley and I were both big fans of. We went through that and found it to be uh, wonderful. That's great. Uh, so uh, so I don't know anything about this sign. So where is the sign at? What is the sign you guys are trying to save? Uh, it's the Crown Motel sign on Interstate. And I don't... It's, Tim, you know, do you actually know the sign? There's a picture of it. I'm trying to see... Uh, it, it, I mean, it looks it's like... Where a, that, it's just before the, where the curve is, uh, where the uh, Fire on the Mountain restaurant is. And Is this... I guess I'm thinking of something else. I guess I'm thinking of the alibi... Um, it's probably about uh, five, six, seven blocks up from the alibi. Okay, then that's probably why it looks familiar then, because it's in the same neighborhood as the alibi. Okay, and so what is the deal? Are they getting rid of the sign or something? Um, they're actually going to tear down the hotel, the motel, and they're going to uh, put in uh, low-income housing, but they didn't put any plans in to keep the sign incorporated into the building. And so what is it? What do you? I mean, if you guys can, uh, uh, can I mean, what would you do with the sign if you got it? Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep it on interstate, try to keep the whole Route 66 portion of uh, Portland alive there. So hopefully we can keep it in maybe a parking lot or some kind of park or someplace that at least it's going to be either repositioned on interstate or maybe repurposed, but at least to keep the sign on interstate. It is cool. It's I mean, I don't know why more businesses don't have this cool kind of retro neon sign design because it is so beautiful and it is sort of quaint and not in a corny way. It just it very obviously is from a different era. I don't know why more businesses don't do that kind of stuff. It's just fantastic. Yeah, we, we, we thought it was a great opportunity to to uh, keep the sign there because they're just going to tear it down and scrap it, basically. Oh, oh, it pains me. And that's just bad for Portland. It's why, why, keep, uh, why not keep part of Portland alive that's part of the 50s and 60s because that was the main freeway going to Seattle. Uh, all right, so what is it? Do you guys have a website or a place people can go to find out more about this? Um, you sure do. It's aaapdx.org. So AAAPDX.org. Yes. 
All right, excellent. And your name was Greg? Austin. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Why am I saying Greg? Oh, it's, I'm looking at the screen, and there's a guy named Greg. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, yes, it's more of the smooth interviewing that I'm known for. All right, Austin, and the website is aaapdx.org yes. uh, for the uh, Atomic Age Alliance. Yes, we have meetings usually once a month at the Alibi, and now that you uh, bring that in, I'll tie that in for you. Excellent. And... Um, so uh, come out. The meetings cool. are free. Come and talk about mid-century furnishings, ranch houses, and we're a nonprofit that's uh, tax-deductible. Excellent. And by the way, I do have to thank you guys for helping to put on that GI Dream exhibit at the Oregon History Museum. That uh, that was outstanding. It was really, really. And I strongly urge if anybody hasn't, I don't know how long it's there, but if anybody hasn't seen it, you really ought to go. Um, it gave me weird flashbacks because a lot of it. Um, uh, was uh, stuff that my grandmother had. I remember being dumped at my grandma's house a lot growing up, and she had a lot of that stuff. And even my mom, I told this story after uh, I toured it with my wife, that the, 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 one of the toasters you had there in the in the model kitchen design that they had there at that exhibit was was the toaster that I had growing up because my mom had just kept it from her first marriage. Awesome. I mean, it was and it was just so weird to be in this like replica of like a 50s ranch house kitchen like there's the toaster I had growing up and just it was it was really wonderful so that's great it's gonna run till May actually all right so people should definitely check that out and go to aaapdx.org all right Austin thank you all my right. friend thanks there you go all thank right. you you never know who's listening look at that we speak their name three times and they conjure themselves in front of us all the movers and shakers listen to this program. no it really is true all right here's Tim Riley well, he's tackled the assassination of JFK and the presidency of Richard Nixon, and now Hollywood director Oliver Stone is preparing to take an in-depth look at how President Bush came to power. According to Daily Variety, Stone is in the process of developing a script about the current president, and he hopes it'll hit theaters in time for the general election next fall. That's not very much time. Uh, really? He wants a Josh Brolin, uh, most recently of No Country for Old Men, to play the commander-in-chief. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin's way too cool to play W. And he was also in... Uh, Wasn't he too young to play? No. He no. Was in, no. He was Not in Grindhouse, yeah. and he was also in uh, American Gangster. Yeah. He played the sleazy uh, DEA. One agent. of the standout performances yeah. of American Gangster. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was in that. I, but I just... Don't you just sense that, like... I mean, even as you were reading that, we were just kind of going like... Ugh. Like, I can't fathom wanting to go see two hours... Even a fictionalized or, or, you know, like scripted. I can't imagine going, what should we do tonight? Let's go watch, you know, now that he's out of office, let's Just go watch. we're getting rid of him. <laughs> Seriously. Let's go watch two hours of George Bush on screen. And let's make it even more heavy-handed by having Oliver Stone do it. I mean, it's like that whole thing of, like, let's go watch a film about the 9-11 hijackings. I mean, that also yeah, that was, was a thing no one wanted to that see. That was fun to go to. I mean, really, honestly. So Unless right. they do a film about his party years. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's Tim Riley. Snuffwatch. Uh, here's your uh, Snuffwatch on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program for Monday. That, uh, you may have said this earlier, Tim, but that Crown Motel sign is on North Emerson. So there you go. Isn't that great? All the more reason to care. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, John Stewart is dead. Not that one. <laughs> John Stewart recorded some of pop music's most acclaimed solo albums, helped create a style that can be called Americana, but is best known for writing the monkeys enduring hit Daydream Believer. One of my top five pop songs of all time, by the way. He had a brain, your, uh, uh, problem with his brain, and he was uh, 68. <laughs> he was part of the folk music's Kingston Trio of the 1960s. 
Uh, he left the trio shortly before the Monkees released Daydream Believer in 1967, and then on to record nearly four dozen solo albums. None of these sound familiar. But he's dead. And he's not the John Stewart you're thinking. No, but he wrote Daydream Believer, and for that uh, he will always, which a lot of people think was written by Neil Diamond, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't. It was written by him, and he, that is one of the greatest pop songs uh, ever recorded. It, it really, and we did this top five a couple months back of my top five most perfectly pra- uh, crafted pop songs of all time, and Daydream Believer was number three, I think. So anyway, so you know, but you, know, you leave behind one song like that, you can die happy. And he was a member of the Kingston Trio, which is pretty badass. Yeah. Who they, the Kingston Trio did one of another. They are also responsible for one of the greatest songs ever. Uh, one of my favorite songs, which is a song called um, Scotch and Soda, which is just like one of the all-time cool tunes. The Inquirer was right. Suzanne Plachette died over the weekend. She was 70. She is best known as a feisty but level-headed wife to Bob Newhart. In the 70s, hit the Bob Newhart show, died at the age of 70. She had respiratory failure at her home over the weekend. Uh, she received uh, chemotherapy for lung cancer in 2006 and appeared at a Bob Newhart reunion in September in a wheelchair. The raven-haired woman, uh, trained on stage in New York, became a regular on television shows in the 70s and 80s, most recently appearing in a recurring role on NBC's Will and Grace. But she is best loved as the no-nonsense Emily Hartley, foiled to the rye of Bob Newhart on the Bob Newhart Show from 1972 to 1978. They look like a mismatched couple. Well, t- well hey, did you ever watch the Bob Newhart show and first of all think that she was way too hot for him? Yes. yes. I remember, I mean, his wives have always been, in everything he's ever done, they've always been too hot for I mean, him. I guess that's kind of a sitcom staple where it's, it's like... like curb your enthusiasm. Yeah, where it's like ugly guy, you know, hot woman. Although at least on Curb Your Enthusiasm, he's in his role. He basically plays himself, he right? He plays himself, but um, so you can see... But there's an actress playing his wife. But you, but like, you can, it's almost believable on Curb Your Enthusiasm because uh, he plays like a successful television producer. So you can see him getting the hot wife. Although to be fair, on the Bob Newhart show, he played a doctor, in, a successful doctor in Manhattan. He was a Manhattan shrink, and you know, in Manhattan, like a shrink makes a ton of money. So. Um, but yeah, but you're right too. And then, and then on Newhart, on Newhart, his wife was well, hot whoever too. that. Who was the woman on Newhart, Tim? Who was the wife on Newhart? I don't remember what the second one was. Mm-hmm. All I remember was I was. Busy. I remember she woke. He woke up at the end of the series. Yeah, and it was Suzanne, Suzanne Plachette. Plachette. Yeah. I remember. Oh, on Newhart. I was just distracted by the white hot Julia Duffy. Yeah. Uh, that's that was that was the only reason I watched that show was just for <laughs> Julia Duffy. Uh, and Peter Scolari was on that show too. People kind of forget about that. Um, oh, yeah. He played the yuppie guy with the turtle, the tortoise show glasses. Um, but yeah, you would watch the Bob Newhart show and you would think to yourself, God, how did this guy get this hot wife? And I mean, not to sound all creepy about it, but in a very laid-back 70s way, she just, Suzanne Plachette as as Emily Hartley, she just exuded this, like, sexuality somehow that, like, you can't even really put your finger on how she did it. She was just a very, very, uh, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it. She just had this certain something, this vibe. Um, and the other weird thing about that show, I always wonder why they were renting when, when they could have purchased something. <laughs> I'm serious. It's like there was an energy crisis at the time. Why are they living in a rental? I do love the prism with with we you see things through. I do. I really do love the particular filter through which you see the world. That I'm sitting here going, well, the, she's just hot as balls, and let's just, boy, whatever. She was like, why are they renting when they could have purchased a property by now? <laughs> Spoken like a like a true slumlord. Um, so well, that was never addressed. Well, also, they think that she would want more than an apartment. Here's, here's, <laughs> but it was New York, though. So I mean, here's, right? well, and maybe I think it was Chicago. Maybe no, I thought it was New York. I, I thought I, it was New York. I think this one was Chicago. Really, was it Chicago? Well, see, I don't really know. So I actually, I'm just saying. I guess I'm doing that thing of assuming that everything is in New I mean, York. It was a spacious apartment. Um. So um. But you know, here's the other thing about that 
is they were unusual at the time because they had no kids. Oh, yeah, that is And that's almost all sitcom couples. I mean, can you think of another sitcom couple that didn't have kids? No. And, I mean, uh, I Dream of Genie doesn't count because they obviously weren't together. They they were chased. Well, Um, he couldn't fit in the bottle. She could fit the bottle. Oh. No, 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 no. I shouldn't have done that. They today. couldn't show her belly um, button. They couldn't show that. I should have saved that one for another day. But all, but I can't think of another sitcom couple that didn't have children. Uh, I mean, did, now it's pretty commonplace. Did, like even you know, it's not like mad about you. Did whatever. the Jeffersons have kids? Yes. Did they? Yeah, they did. They had Lionel. Lionel. Oh, Lionel oh, okay. was the kid. Um, so, uh, it, but but uh, but but Bob and Emily did not have uh, kids. They uh, were a childless couple, and clearly, and I don't think they ever specifically said it, but the implication was childless by choice, which especially in the seventies was pretty revolutionary. And they, and here's the other great thing about Newhart, is I don't remember his name, but the guy who lived across the hall from them, the pilot, and the deal was, and they were all professionals. And that's when you think about it. Here's another weird thing: you realize there were no children of any kind on that show. Good. It wasn't just that. Yeah, it was pretty great actually. Not just that they didn't have children, but that no one on the Bob Newhart show had kids. And so they were like living in this swank Chicago pad. Across the hall is this airplane pilot, and he would always stop by, like in his pilot's uniform, like on his way to the airport. And the great thing about it was, you could never do this now. The great thing is, he would always stop by their apartment and get loaded before going off to work. <laughs> he would always be over at the Newharts, like so. uh... Anyway, uh, yeah, well, I better, one more belt, and he would toss back like some scotch, like, well, I gotta go fly now, and he would just, like, stumble out the door on his way to be a pilot, which is just wonderful, I mean, this is not a thing you could ever get away with these days, so, anyway, well, she was hot, and, uh, well, and now she's not, now she's not, now she's dead. Uh, do we have a third snuff watch today? I thought we did, but I can't find it. I have a corpse watch here. Who else doesn't, well, it was... Sam the Butcher. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Sam I, the Butcher. Do you have that? Hold on. I don't have that. Hold on. I, I, I'd be glad oh, to read about Sam the right Butcher. There. Sam the Butcher bringing Alice the meat. Was he a victim of Brady Killer? Who? What? What? I just watched Free Enterprise yesterday. So oh, I got, here's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. here's Tim Riley. Well, one of the great character actors in American television. He was one of the great <laughs> character actors in American television. Okay, well, you're dead. We'll give you one day. Just passed away. The man known as Sam the Butcher of the Pretty Bunches, Doc. He was 84. <laughs> Don't trample on a dead man's grave, his Tim name is, Riley. What was his name? Sam the Butcher. Wait, no, 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 I know this. He was no. one of the great characters. I know this. His name was Alan Melvin. Yes, it is. All right, in your face. I only knew that because I just saw it on the page. Well, Sam the Butcher. <laughs> I didn't know it until 10 minutes ago. He also uh, did commercial work, including playing Al the Plumber in Liquid Plumber for 15 years. Well, that's steady work. He also played the sidekick role in uh, other television series. But he's best remembered as the Butcher on the Brady Bunch. Okay, now here's the weird thing about that. Everybody remembers him as Sam the Butcher. Do you know how many episodes he was in of the Brady Bunch total? Anybody know? It wasn't that many. Five. Four. He was in four episodes total. And yet everybody, which... On the one hand, you know, as an actor, you know, that's interesting. You know, I guess it's nice to have that kind of attention. On the other hand, it must be frustrating for him because everybody's like, "Yeah, you were Sam the Butcher," and everybody's probably thinking he was rich and famous off that role. Famous, maybe, but he certainly wasn't rich. I mean, four episodes. Four episodes. I mean, and I can't imagine that he got any kind of 
residuals of any kind of four episodes. But it all goes to show what television exposure does. The magic of television. Mm-hmm. It really got, is true. He got that national commercial, that 15 years of liquid plumber. Oh, no, that's, that's true. What paid the no, money. that's probably true. So but he, he's not best remembered for that. He's best remembered to Sam the Butcher. But would you agree, Tim, that he probably got the four episodes of the Brady Bunch, which then in turn got him maybe the plumber role? I would say so. So that's so the Brady Bunch episodes did pay off after a fashion. You know, it's like, what's his name, Gordon Jump, being the uh, the Maytag repairman yeah. for like 30 years or whatever. Or the Charmin guy. Yeah, the, the, the Char- Jesus, did you read that when the Charmin guy was on? We, we was tallied up that he, that he, at a minimum, we figured that he made 750 grand off those commercials. Yeah. Minimum. A year, right? And that's like at minimum residuals. Well, I mean, I don't know how many he did, but I mean, Jesus, it's like 60 second spots. It's like a day's work, maybe. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, and he had, what, 20 years of being yeah. a Charmin oh, guy? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, he made a ton of money on those. So... Uh, the, the Sam the Butcher thing, although he does have some, I think there's some quote from the Sam the Butcher guy, um, where he says, uh, he says, well, you know, it's, it's all well and good that people know me as Sam the Butcher, but he also played Wacky and Packy on Uncle Crock's Block. <laughs> I have no, Wacky and Packy? Yes. Or he, he might have been twins. He didn't just I'll play one of them. Wacky pack. and Packy. He was also, now here's the other thing, uh, people Uncle don't Crock's remember this. Block. He was also Archie Ten, uh, Archie Tenders, Archie Bunker's bartender. Yeah, I remember that. Barney the bartender. Uh, he was Archie. Yeah, he poured for, uh, for uh, which is interesting because in a way that means he was the model for most his lack uh, on The Simpsons. Wow, he appeared three times on Love American Style. Really? Mm-hmm. Everybody appeared on Love American Style. But not style. three times. Yeah. Now, he, uh, well, that's, Love American Style was sort of like the love boat or fantasy island of the romance world. Well, didn't that launch like three or four shows? Well, because isn't Happy Days a spinoff of Love American Style? Yeah. And I think so is all. I think so. All in the family is. Well, no, 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 no that's not true. No, all in the family Mindy's, was. Morgan Mindy's off Happy off of, Days. Okay, let's do this. Okay. Let's do this once. Oh, overall. he was McGilla Gorilla too. The voice of okay. McGilla Gorilla. That's yeah. pretty cool. He he. That's interesting. He was on the Flintstones doing a wide variety of voices here. Thirteen episodes. Yeah, you and Tim and you had the temerity to belittle him just five minutes <laughs> no. ago. Five and, minutes ago, you were thinking this is perfunctory. And attention, Nickel Arcade. He was in Perry Mason. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm just Every, Well, you know, Perry Mason was another one of those shows. Do you ever go back and watch the old... Perry Mason is like the Twilight Zone, because it was basically an anthology show, different cast every week. Uh, and so you would see all, like, Larry Hagman, Leonard Nimoy, all of those guys uh, showing up on those programs. Yeah, he goes back to the 1950s. I had some Sergeant other... Bilko. I had some other, other observation. I was going to... Oh, his wife. What was it? Did it have his wife's name in his that story? Name? His wife had some hilarious name, too. Hang on. Let me go back here. It's... Uh, because their last name was was Melvin, so I mean, you know, Amalia Melvin. Amalia Melvin. Oh, what is that's a great name. Uh, oh wait, here joining us with a supplement to the uh, Snuff Watches, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Hello, Susan. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Happy Martin Luther King Day to you. Why? Thank you, and right back at you. Thank you. Uh, you know, somehow I never thought I would uh, have a relationship with anyone in the Snuff Watch happily. And yet. Uh, and yet, uh, John Stewart. Yeah. Uh, as you know, my father-in-law is one of the uh, Kingston Trio. I did know that, yes. And so he and John Stewart very close, and uh, in fact, the whole family very close to you know to his family. But um, a cool thing that happened over the summer was we we went down to Phoenix where they had this uh, sort of fantasy camp type thing where people actually pay money to come and play music with the Kingston Trio, which is pretty great. And I mean. And especially to a certain generation, I mean, I'm going to say that they're forgotten now, but they certainly are best known to a certain demographic. And 
the Kingston Trio really are, are just a massive section of American popular music. I mean, they are a huge chapter there. Oh, yeah, and when you get together with these sort of super fans, you know, uh-huh. it, it's unbelievable because they know everything, and they keep tabs on everybody, and they know everybody in the family and all this. But anyway, so the, the guys get up there, and, um, of course, John sang Daydream Believer. Uh, we all sang along uh, with him, and it was really sweet. Oh, uh, that's so cool. You know, and so I was thinking about that. Of course, we got the news on Friday night, right. and, um, you know, it was sort of bittersweet. Now, he had actually, another thing that was a little interesting was that he was down in San Diego visiting my father-in-law uh, this past week, and they spent three days just, like, reminiscing and singing and, you know, listening to music and watching old videos of things. Right and on. Yeah, and then he had a stroke and just never came out of it. Ah. So, I, uh, now, do you know, I have to ask you this, do you yeah. know if he was in the Kingston Trio during the Scotch and Soda era? Uh, you know, I, I don't think he was. I think, though, that, you know, that song became one of their hugest hits. Yeah. And um, certainly, you know, they always played a lot of the same songs, so yeah. certainly he was part of the singing of that song. But that was really Bob Shane's big yeah. solo. And, of course, he sang that over the summer. Boy, and just the fact that you would, I mean, not to get all gushy about it, no. but, I mean, Daydream Believer is just, that is one of the songs that, as, uh, as what's her name, Feruza Balk says in uh, uh, Almost Famous, that is a song that is just so good, it just hurts to listen to it. Well, and it has really withstood the test of time, and, you know, they've been using it for commercials and things, so I think he's made a good deal of money. Oh, uh, yeah. With that song, I so. mean, and you just and you don't even really think the thing about a song like that is you don't even really think that that like it comes from somewhere. I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like a song like Daydream Believer, you don't really think about the fact that at some point a guy had to sit down uh, and write it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it just uh, you you think that it always just sort of existed because it's just so unbelievably beautiful. Yeah, and you know that guy wrote a lot of great songs. I yeah. mean, seriously, he he had volumes and volumes, and in fact, I think he was about ready to release another uh, another album. So. Yeah, well, he's one of those guys like Johnny Cash with like four dozen solo records oh. or something. And he also did duets with tons of people, too. Right. So, you know, I mean, just a really interesting guy, a very sweet guy. And, you know, it's a loss for sure. Do you have any reminiscences about uh, Sam the Butcher? <laughs> uh, sadly, I do not. All right. Well, he apparently was a great character actor. So we'll I- I'm sure that he was, and, and we can look up the old reruns. <laughs> That's what his publicist says, and so we have no choice but to believe it. <laughs> right. Although I did uh, dig Suzanne Plachette. Oh, no. She was hot and great and funny and, uh, you know, was re- she, kind of a, she was sort of a television Liz Taylor. Yeah, and I think, you know, she had that really husky voice. Totally. And, um, you know, what was great about the Newhart show, I got your observation about there not being any kids, but the therapy sessions were hilarious. Oh, I know. And, it, well, he, and he had, that, like, he had that, that nutcase patient from uh, 12 Angry Men, like the little bald guy with the glasses. <laughs> right. Who was just, like, the most neurotic person you've ever seen in your life. It really was a pretty exceptional person. And how old is Bob Newhart now? That guy's got to oh. be 100 years old. Well, I, I'm sure he's probably in his early 80s or something. He's always oh. looked old, though. I mean, no, he's... But yeah, he is one of those guys who was always bald and old-looking. Yeah, and now she died of lung cancer, I think. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably how she got that husky, husky voice, don't, I guess. Don't smoke, kids. No. All right, thank you, Susan Reynolds. All right, I will see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Susan. Yep. All right, there you go. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, more of Aaron Duran around the corner. Later on, more from Tim Riley. James Roop joining us from Los Angeles. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
trying to do this clever thing of coming back at the day during Believer, but that's not going to happen. Are you okay? Right. Yeah, just yeah. mentally... Mentally insert Daydream Believer. What are you doing? I put the headphones on wrong. Oh, did you let go too early and they yeah. smack you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got more of your calls. Some people on hold of your uh, there. Hang tight. We'll get to you just a few, ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles. I love CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Happy Monday, Martin Luther King Day. Howdy do. You as well, my friend. Wow. How are things? How's like You sound jubilant. Uh, yeah. You sound positively uh, giddy to be at work today. Because I got through credentialing for the Oscars and the Golden and the uh, SAG Awards without a hitch today. Excellent. And so, what are the? If you had to lay down the Vegas odds right now, uh, what what chance in ten do you give it that the Oscars are going to happen the way they normally do? I'll give it seven. You think so? You yeah. think they're going to come to an agreement? I, I believe so. Yeah. Now, is that because now what? What? Give me a little backstory because here. This DGA. Yeah, the director thing. I don't yeah. even know what that's about. Well, they they came to an agreement with the producers and uh, and the studios and the networks, which means there is uh, some sort of a framework template uh, for a, an agreement that includes new media. It's going to have to. Right. Uh, so I'm I'm thinking now, if they can use that, and with the informal talks that are expected to start as early as tomorrow, that if they just listen to each other and take whatever the Directors Guild put together, it's got to match what the writers want because the directors want a piece of the new media also. Uh, I'm guessing they'll probably be able to come up with some sort of tentative agreement that would allow the Grammys and the Oscars to move forward. Now, do you think, here's a question, do you think that the Writers Guild will demand at minimum that everybody gets what Letterman's writers got? Oh, yes. So, in other words, but if the studios weren't willing to pay that a month ago when Letterman made his private deal, why would the studios be willing to well, pay Well, remember, these deals with Letterman and everybody else, these are interim deals that are contingent on what happens with the broader picture, with the producers. Um, so there's going to be something that's adjusted. When they come to an agreement with the Producers Alliance, there's going to be an adjustment with the David Letterman writers. Right now, they're just allowed to go back to work for probably okay. whatever they were making. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I thought I did not know it was like a temp deal. Yeah, so. uh, from what I understand, that that's how it works. Well, all right. So there you go. So and so we got what the, the Oscars coming up, and then the Grammys or something. But I guess it doesn't well, really go. Well, the Grammys are the tenth, and and the Grammys say they'll go on. Everybody's confused about that because you know these are these are musicians. Uh, they are there are writers involved. Yeah, there's sometimes somebody writing. Yeah, and and there are stars that go. There are celebrities that go, and um, they don't want the celebrities to cross the picket line. I think they will go on. It'll just kind of be strange. I think if they don't come up with an agreement. But again, that's February 10th. Right. Uh, tomorrow morning are the Oscar nominations. Those come out. Um, and we'll probably get a better sense on what everybody's feeling from there. But I just spoke with the. Uh, but the motion picture, uh, uh, um, the motion picture arts and sciences folks, just uh, two weeks ago or last week, and they're they're concerned, they're worried. I mean, is, this has never happened, right? There's never been an Oscars interrupted by something. No. I mean, even when, they, when we were at war, like World War II and whatever, the Oscars still. No, they were on. smart then. They just did it like like I think they should always do it in about a half hour luncheon. Yeah, well, that see, and that's kind of why I'm curious. I would, in a way, like to see the right the strike not resolved because I do want to see if, to what extent they would buckle, to what extent they would cut it back and do it the way they just did the Golden Globes. Well, the go I thought the Golden Globes were brilliant. Yeah. I, I really, and I was upset that I couldn't go to that. Yeah, well, because um, you, you, you got OJ. Oh, that moron. <laughs> but, you know, because that's like, like we talked about before. That's exactly what I've been yeah. saying for years. 
these award shows should be. Just just have a half hour little presentation and let's all go well, home. Because for everybody with a TiVo just they, they you know they boil it down to forty five minutes anyway. Yeah. I mean I skip through Phil Collins singing whatever his new Disney crap is and I get right to the you know I skip <laughs> I skip the award for best lighting I skip best sound editing I skip best supporting whatever. I mean I just go right, I go right to the meat of it and then I go to bed. That's yeah. it. So. Yeah, well, that's what I think. That's what most people do. Yeah. But you know, then there are those who who get into the whole glitz and glamour. But I just think it's a it's a glut. It's a waste of money. I mean, all the millions of dollars it takes to pat these people on the back could go for a lot of good somewhere else. I'm with you, you on know? that. Just, uh, just in this country alone. I mean, just four blocks from the uh, from the Shrine Auditorium, you got people living in cardboard boxes for Christ's sake. Well, what really matters is that Angelina Jolie gets a gift bag. There you that's go. That's really what's a important. A gift bag that she gives to charity. Hey, did you see that Suzanne Plachette is dead? Yeah, man. That's a bummer. I know. She was she was something else. She boy. really was. And I can't quite put my finger on what made her so sexy. There was something you just got the feeling she didn't take any crap. Well, she was she was smooth. She yeah. had that voice. Yeah. I mean, it came from years of smoking, but she had that voice. You know, and and she had this um, sophisticated sexiness about her. There was, you just, you know, and she wasn't, uh, you know, like a lot of sitcom wives. A lot of sitcom wives were very passive. You know what I mean? It was like the man ran the house, and that was the way it was, and they just sort of wore a skirt and made cookies. And Suzanne Plachette was one of the first sitcom wives to have that like modern woman. I don't want to say feminist because that maybe gives it the wrong connotation, but you know, she was she was a modern sort of independent, free thinking woman who happened to be married to this guy. And I think that was the first sitcom, man and wife sitcom without kids. I we think. were talking about that earlier. Not only were they did not did they not have kids, there were no kids on the show at all. Right. And it was basically an apartment of just like swinging single people and then them. Uh and then what's his name? The drunken pilot who lived across the hall. So that was fantastic. Uh, who was that? Uh the guy he was he was Larry Hagman's best friend on I That's Dream of right. Journey. That's I right. Dream of That's Jeannie. right. Yeah. Major Healy. Yeah. And he, Whatever his name was there. He lived across the hall on uh, their Chicago apartment on Bob Newhart, and he was always coming over and drinking like a glass of scotch before he went off to fly. Yeah. It was just wonderful. It was. It really was a great show. And uh, He's always you, talking about stewardesses. And Bob Newhart, yeah, it was to all, all kinds of things you couldn't do now. And Bob Newhart really was smart in that... He knew what he could and couldn't pull off, and he was very smart in that he tailored a show around his particular kind of comedy. The very dry, neurotic, sort of stammering, almost Woody Allen, but not quite so neurotic. You know, right. but he was very much sort of this sort of not fumbling, but kind of, you know, beta male type. And he, he structured a whole show around it. He was really smart the way he did that. Yeah. For its time, a pretty a pretty groundbreaking sitcom. Yeah, so. and I, I just love the way Suzanne Plachette would say, Bob. Oh, yeah. I mean, it made you want to change your name, man. Yeah, no, I'm you know? I'm with you on that, my friend. She will be missed. Kind of the Liz Taylor of the small screen. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah she had she had a great look about her. <sighs> I mean, up, up until recently, too. I mean, she was always a nice-looking woman. I saw her at that you 35th know? anniversary, Bob Newhart, even then in a wheelchair because she was doing chemo she was still very a very beautiful woman yeah so, all right are you on tomorrow oh uh, oh yeah because the oscar, oh, that's right. oscar tomorrow nominations morning. all right yeah, we, we got, we'll probably have a lot to talk about i really want to delve into this whole issue about what's going to happen if um if they'll talk about it absolutely because i don't care who's nominated i just want to know what they're going to do if things go foul you are a man after my own heart there you go all right thank you jim roop thank you sir there you go jim roop in los angeles i love that guy you know ricardo montalban's in a wheelchair now really yeah it's kind of sad i mean he's still cooler than any of us still oh yeah well, but um yeah it's kind of a bummer insert joke about wrench corinthian leather hi you're on the rick emerson show hello oh, sir. this is you 
Is there anyone even there? Yeah, I can hear something in the background. He potted up. So it deafens us when he As high as it goes. Hello? I don't hear anything. I can hear our radio. You can't? I can hear it. I can hear it. Maybe it's a pocket call. It's still alive. You can't hear the radio in the No, I can, I can hear it now. Okay. <sighs> We're going to give you it one. It came from the sewers. <laughs> Nerd. Two. All right, you should pop the phone down because I'm going to pick up a different line. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what was the guy's name who played Sam the Butcher? Uh, I just had... Al- I, re- I remember... Alvin... Alvin Melvin. No, no, no. It was... um. I remembered it for as long as it took me to impress Tim. Alan Melvin, I think. Alan Melvin. Well, I was going to say, I, Alvin, I first recognized him. He was the rival sergeant in Going Pile. Is that true? Yeah, he played He played like uh, Sergeant Carter's arch nemesis across the barracks. I have to tell you, I really didn't watch a lot of Gomer Pyle, because even as a child, when you'll accept almost anything, Jim Neighbors just irritated the F out of me. Right, but you know, back in the days before cable, you got what you got. Sir, I, well, that is true. That's exactly we were talking with Tim about. Sam the Butcher, he did four episodes, and yet is world famous. Behold the mighty power of television. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is amazing. Just even on some low-rent, like I've told this story before, we did that one time years ago. I went on the O'Reilly Factor, and I was at a blockbuster video the next day with Lara, woman I don't even know, who didn't even know me from the radio, had never heard the show. She's like, I know you, you were on TV last night. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. I mean, I was on the, the O'Reilly, five minutes I was on the O'Reilly Factor, and it, it, some total stranger knew me. It was just the we- television is weird. Well, your appearance is hard to forget on the O'Reilly Factor. Because you're all blotchy and bad. <laughs> I mean, Sarah knows that, you know, just being on coin, mm-hmm. doing weather, just, or traffic, and people are like, people recognize you. It's just, it, television What was strange. always a little unnerving is when people recognized us from that poker show. Oh, yeah. I got a ton of those, and I'm like, really? People are actually with me? <laughs> and then you, you felt bad. The poker show? And then you just felt all terrible about uh-huh. it. All right. Thank you, sir. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And John Stewart. Do you yeah. remember the show Solid Gold? I'm sorry? Do you remember the... Do you yeah, remember? with the Solid Gold dancers. Oh, my God. They were hot as balls. And on the premiere pilot episode, he did. He had a hit single called Gold. You know, when the night, when the lights go down in the California town. Does that ring any bells at all? No, but I really am impressed, and I mean this sincerely. I'm impressed with the fact that you remember it and can sing the hook. Oh, well, no. Um, it's a fantastic... It's actually a really great song, but I just remember it because the gir- the girls were dancing around these sequins sort of faux-naked thing, and it just blew my mind as a 12-year-old. I, so. Me, too. I remember watching Solid... On a black-and-white television, no less, watching Solid Gold, and... It, 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 it was, I mean, even... Like, Pre-Dion Warwick or And whatever. even now, it's a weird thing to think about. It's sort of an academic distinction between... I mean, I don't mean to sound like I'm working crude, but it's a weird distinction that we draw between, like... Like a swimsuit bottom or something, and underwear. It's odd that, like, and they're essentially the same thing. And so you'd watch the solid gold dancers, and they would have these short skirts on. They would twirl around, and the skirts would go up, and you would totally see their underwear. They're called bloomers. But, yeah, but because we didn't call them underwear, because we called them bloomers or whatever, it was okay. I mean, it's just a weird thing. But I remember watching as a kid, uh, Laura was not allowed to watch Solid Gold because of the Solid Gold dancers. My wife was forbidden to watch it. Yeah. I was always embarrassed watching in front of my folks. Oh, totally. Because there's some chick uh, showing her area, basically. Yeah. All right. right, Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Because we were all of the age when it came out that we weren't able to control our bodies. You're not. That's the worst phrase of the day. That's Aaron who said that. Oh, like you had told, like you were master of your domain at 12. I think we're talking about two different things. Hi, you're on yeah. the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. That was an awkward way to segue into my phone call. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> hey, you guys are talking about Bob Newhart. I was watching. Yeah, put, pull, pull this back. 
Um, I was watching uh, HBO the other day. They had the Don Rickles uh, uh, history. Which I've, I have TiVo'd that Don Rickles documentary, but I haven't watched it yet. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, all, old showmanship and stuff is so cool because everybody knew everybody, and, and it, it is so neat. And, and Bob Newhart and Don Rickles are like best friends. They have traveled all yep. over the world together. Now, it's, and Bob Newhart really is one of a kind. I mean, there's really nobody... He put out that comedy album, The Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart, where he was just, I mean, he was basically, I think he literally was an accountant before he became a comedian. And he was just like the driest guy. And just, but he somehow made it work. He really knew how to write to his strengths. Yeah, he's uh, quite, quite you know, one of the, the, the funniest things that I remember of that, that Don Rickles. And you had a heck of an interview with him, too, Eric. Thank you. Uh, um, you know, is uh, one time when uh, Bob Newhart and his wife went to see Don Rickles, and it was like shortly, you know, when they were earlier in their relationship. And uh, oh yeah, this will be great. Come on down, sit down here. And then Don Rickles gets up there and says, "Oh look, there's the the, the stuttering idiot from Cleveland and his whore wife." <laughs> <laughs> and yet there they wonderful. They're, They've got pictures of them walking on the Great Wall in China and all these different things. And that's well. That's like when I saw Rickles, uh, you know, at the coast a couple years ago, and when he was on the show, um, and there was a listener of ours named Dave who I talked to later who was there, and he gets Dave up on stage just at random, and he says, he says, uh, "Hey, what's your name?" And then he goes, "I'm Dave." Hey, all right, Dave. Uh, are, are you here with somebody special, a wife or girlfriend? And Dave says, "Oh yeah, that's my uh, that's my wife down there." And he points to this woman, and Rickles looks at her for a second and goes. What, did you lose a bet or something? <laughs> and I mean, it's just, but it's, I mean, she was a perfectly normal looking girl. It's just what he did. Mr. And it, Warmth. Oh, it was gold. I mean, it's just wonderful. And he's the only guy who could do that, you know? Yeah, and well, they had another uh, clip with uh, Johnny Carson that was just, um, you've got to watch it. I, it's on my TV. I, the thing is, while my wife is out of town, I'm going to try to watch as much television and movies as is humanly possible. Well, run that one through because you will be chuckling and talking about it the next day. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right, there you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Aaron. Yes. I need to geek out with you real quick. Um, okay. You need to geek out? Geek out. Geek you out. Step up and listen. Sorry. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, the Nintendo Wii, the, the, um, are your wrists hurting? No. Are you getting injured? No. Okay. I'm just what wondering. What are you doing with the Wii? <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> um, but uh, I've, been, I've, I've noticed that my wrists kind of hurt from shaking the controller so much. But that's about it. Is that what the kids are calling it now? My wrists are fine. Good and okay. strong. What are you playing? Maybe you guys are playing what different you, games. What are you, yeah, playing? What are you playing? Uh, Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Hold on. Can we just stop for a second? Sarah has, like, the most contemptuous and disinterested look on her face right now. <laughs> so much video game talk. You feel like a den mother? Like you're just trying to keep control of a bunch of retarded kids? You know, you guys just go crazy today. <laughs> she doesn't care. She doesn't. She's Thank you for up. giving us permission. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, um, I don't have Mario Galaxy. I want that one. I've seen cool. Mario. When we had that geek thing at the beach house uh, over Thanksgiving, I saw... Uh, my wife played Mario Galaxy, but it doesn't look like a. It doesn't. I mean, you know, the, the Wii has that. Is it like driving? No, it's, no, it's like, I don't it's know like how... Super Mario Brothers, but it's basically, it's basically endless. You can go three dimensions it's forward, cool. backwards, from planet yeah. to planet. It's it's pretty amazing, but it's not like a sports game. It doesn't seem like it'd be a very active game with yeah, the controller. Yeah, what are you doing to poor Mario? Okay, you have to you have to uh, kind of shake the shake the remote to make yeah it to spin, spin to kicks. Yeah. Yeah, but still. And so no, just that. What do you do for a living, sir? Spinning. Uh, maintenance repair. So, do you have like a repetitive motion thing at work? Like, could this be from? I sound like Dr. Drew. Uh, could this be from work? No, no. Hmm. It, it, it only happened after I got my Wii. No, yeah, I got nothing. I uh, short motions don't do big sweeping. That's all I can tell. And because, and the thing with the Wii controller, we learned this from playing uh, 
well, we tennis for like four hours on New Year's Eve. Oh, I skunked a kid Saturday night too. It was awesome. <laughs> you beat a child at a video game and I they're bragging about beat it. A sixteen-year-old boy who was on a private school tennis team and he was all getting up in my face. Were you playing online? No, no. It was, this was at the party. Why are you hitting a sixteen-year-old kid? What that, party is your son? What party? Oh, work oh, party. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, but I, I learned that you don't. The controller's pretty sensitive. You don't have to make big hard motions. You can oh, really no, just do unless you're drunk at New Year's. Yeah. But my little four-year-old kicks my trash at boxing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's no skill you, in the boxing. That's just button smashing. Don't play somebody at boxing. No, no, no. The tennis is pretty good though. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your horrific disfigurement or whatever. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I, 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 it's all about Force Unleashed, which comes out in about six months. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta finish uh, playing my way through. Uh... Are we breaking? We could. <sighs> I was gonna say something, but now it's gone. Well, let me get like, a little more call here, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? What's up? I was just wondering if you guys ever played the New Heart drinking game. The New Heart is that every time he stammered? And no, anytime somebody. Well, initially it was on the. On the the first show, anytime anybody said Bob, you had to take shots. Okay. And then when it went to the new one, and his, and his character name was Dick, anytime they said Dick, you, you had to take shots. His name wasn't Bob on Newhart? Not on the second show, the one at the, where he was... Where uh, he was the owner of the bed and right. breakfast? That's right. interesting. Hey, somebody told me that Mary Fran, who played his wife on the bed and breakfast show, is dead. I didn't know that. I'm not aware yeah, of that. I don't think she's dead. I think this I think this person's winding us up. I don't think that's true. Also, one other uh, geek game for you. Yeah. I, I think it's called Godfather, but I could be wrong. My kid just got it uh, a couple weeks ago. For the 360? Uh, no, it's for the Wii. Well, there's a Godfather cross platform. There's a Godfather game for the 360 that my wife. This is why I have the best wife ever. It has wife. frightening vocal work. I mean, uh, how yeah, good yeah. the vocal work is. Uh, this is why well, I this love one, my... This one is set up so that uh, you were just saying about the boxing is just hitting buttons. My kids got this one, and with the boxing, you actually have to oh, punch no. and everything it's, else to gain the money and get the credits and work your way up. It's insane. Over uh, Christmas, uh, so my wife did this great thing where she hit the video store, and she rented, like, uh, you know, several movies, and then she rented, like, four Xbox games because we just got the 360. And she rented Star Wars Lego, the Complete Saga, uh, the Def Jam game, um, the uh, the Godfather game, and something else. And then she and then she bought like three pounds of bacon. Yeah. Um, she bought like three pounds of bacon, a bunch of like cheese from Pasta Works, and then like a stack of like frozen pizzas. Merry Christmas for real. Seriously, she's like she's like here you go, here's a bunch of frozen pizzas, bacon, and some video games. Have you I'm best like, wife ever? Best wife ever. And Have then, you played Bioshock yet for the three? No, no, that's next. That'll mess you up. And then all we did is we just played video games and watched the show Code Monkeys all through Christmas. It was fantastic. I love you, whores. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, so real quickly, then we'll break, but I played the Godfather game, and I didn't really care for it because it's basically Grand Theft Auto, and I don't yeah. really care for Grand Theft Auto. That's not my... It's like Scarface, same thing. It's fun for like six hours, but then you but realize everything's dude, the same. But it's not just that. It's like that Godfather game. I know I sound old here, but I mean, the Xbox 360 controller has, I think, something like 14 buttons or something, and the Godfather game, literally for each different style of play, there's a different... The, the buttons have a different configuration, so... There's one when you're fighting hand-to-hand, one when you're driving, and one when you're just interacting with people. So you have to memorize three different configurations of 14 buttons each to play. And after a while, you're just like, F this. Like, I'm going to play Pitfall. I try, <laughs> playing, try playing Harry Potter on the Wii where I have to do the wand maneuvers. I'm not, wow. Now we are so breaking. Now I know why Ron had a whole time doing switch and flick. Yeah. It's hard to levitate. It's a quiet switch and shoot. All right. 
Hi, Sarah. My own wand. <laughs> Hi, Rick. Back so after I can this. Jewel Voldemort. Tim Riley returns around the corner on the Rick Harrison Show. Jim Riley? No, my biggest fear about strapping a uh, bike to the front of the bus, what happens if the bus driver really isn't paying attention and you're shorter than what you can see outside the windshield and they roll right over you when you're taking your butt bike off? Uh, well, you're always supposed to, when you get off, you're always supposed to tell Let them, them I'm going to be pulling a bike off the front. But if you just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, like and and then your head just, ah, 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 biscuit in the fifth race. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear a thumping sound? No, I can drive probably on. shove it in the back of my Volkswagen if you want. Oh. No, I'll just ride home. I need to. Yeah, I would give I you a ride if I had my truck with me. I really would. So I am impressed that you rode your bike to work. That really is something that, I, that is admirable. Thank you. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So we now take you to St. John's, but not the one you're thinking about, where Jerry Queen owner explains, good God almighty, where's my manager? I, I wasn't going to reveal that it wasn't the St. John's <laughs> here, by the way. This, before, Let me get a little set up. This audio is... Is fantastic. This is a news report from St. John's, Florida, I think, or something. No, no, this is New Brunswick. St. John, which is where? New Brunswick, the home of Reversing Falls. But where is New Brunswick? It's in Canada. Okay. Um, it's it's on top of Maine. So all you need to know is that this is about some ne'er-do-well employees at a Dairy Queen who were effing around, scrolling around, and then posting it on their Facebook account. Mooning at the drive-through. That's all you need to. Know. And when the guy says bearing it all. Uh, you'll, there's a point where he says, and bearing it all, there's a picture of a kid dropping his pants and sticking his ass out the window, of the drive through window. So here you go. All right. Welcome back to Here and Now, everyone. Well, if you've ever wondered what goes on behind the drive through window, then check this out. Here and Now has some startling video from one of the city's fast food joints. Now, it starts with goofing off when there's no customers around. But as you'll see... It doesn't end there. Here and now's Lee Pitts is live tonight with the pictures you won't want to miss. Now, this is the fast food joint we're talking about. It's the Dairy Queen on Topsail Road in St. John's. And here's the question. Where do you draw the line between goofing around on the job and goofing around on the job and around. posting it on the Internet for anyone to see? Here's what we found on Facebook. It shows what sometimes goes on at this Dairy Queen. It starts with a snowball fight behind the counter, the Inside. same place where food orders are prepared and yeah. served. The images were captured on a cell phone camera. But it gets worse. This is where you pick up your drive-through <laughs> order. Oh, right he's now, this guy is bearing it all. Shoving his ass out the drive-through window. Canadian posteria. These videos were posted to Facebook last month. It's a group for Topsail Road Dairy Queen employees. But it's public, open for anyone to see. Idiots. Then there's these comments about the food. Suggestions that the meat is reheated. One comment says, reheat the reheated reheats, and points to the chicken strips. And then there's talk of using meat the next day that was kept overnight in a cooler. <laughs> Some of the people posting comments are former employees. I tracked one of them down today. She says she doesn't know who some of these people are, but at least some of them still work at Dairy Queen. And these videos are recent, barely a month old. I spoke with the franchise owner today. He didn't Listen want to, to appear on camera, but he was clearly shocked. 
Good God Almighty, he said, where's my managers? Who's allowing this to happen? He called hanging a moon out the drive through window disgusting and planned to dig into it. <laughs> now, the government department that uh, carries out restaurant inspections will also look into this. They say employees should not drop their pants behind the counter. <laughs> <laughs> That's some Cracker Jack journalism. <laughs> Those videos disappeared from the Internet. That's fantastic. Live in St. John's, okay. I'm Lee Pitts for Here and Now. Now, we want to reiterate, this is St. John's Newfoundland, not the Dairy Queen in St. John's here because there is one. Not to be confused, this is St. John's Newfoundland. I wasn't going to make that clarification, but you're a newsman. I understand you're not going to do so. What are the odds that they're also doing that at the Dairy Queen St. John's? I would say pretty I don't high. think so. It's a very fine family-owned establishment. Where is it a fine neighborhood where anybody should be happy to rent property? Yes. Yes, there are many happy renters there, especially in this buyer's market. It is interesting, by the way, that in Canada they don't blur, blur out the guy showing his ass. No. It's interesting. That's a news broadcast in Canada where asses are apparently fine. I've isolated the two best moments. One is this. He called hanging a moon out the drive through window disgusting and planned to dig into it. <laughs> That's my favorite. And also this. They say employees should not drop their pants behind the counter. <laughs> You're the good God Almighty. The good God Almighty. That's posted on my webpage. Yeah. Drop on my thinking toque and dig into that moon. Oh, it's just wonderful. God damn, I love this world. So don't leave your dogs outside in this cold weather. It doesn't matter what humans do. They don't listen anyway. <laughs> they get be... what they deserve. Will you be... <laughs> that is the motto of the Rick Emerson show, really. Humans get what they deserve. They made their bed not go lying. Exactly. Where we love individuals but loathe humanity. The Rick Emerson show. Uh, off to prepare more news, Tim. Oh, yes, and there's plenty of it. Tim will be back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour of the way through like us. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the world. Fantastic. Wonderful. All right. Uh, well, let's see who this is. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Oh, by the way, let, what, hold on, sir, madam. Let me read this. Okay, I'm going to read you an email now. I don't know if this is true. I suspect Why are you it giving is. me the stink eye? No, I'm not. I'm not giving anybody. I'm just letting you know that I'm just reading this email. I'm sorry, I'm going to put you back on hold for a second. That I'm just reading this email. I don't know if it's true or not. I think it might be. Rick, I was just going to watch the tram video posted at 970.am, but instead, it just goes to a video labeled, OMG, Richie and Dave's penis. What? He says, is this a faux pas or part of some master plan? Let's, uh, let's ask the only man who would know. Let's go look for Richie's penis. It's called Sex Panther. Oh, Richie. By Odeon. Let's uh, welcome Richie Bristol and his penis to the show. Hello, Richie. Oh, don't say Hello. That. Um, oh, what is this email about? What email? This. Did you hear what I just read? I'm running around. I heard something. All right. Something it about. says, Rick, I was just going to go watch the tram video posted on the 970 site, but instead it just goes to one labeled OMG Richie and Dave's penis. Uh, great. What <laughs> is, is that an accident? Oh, my God. Wait, Dave, gotta find it like now. the wedding day? That, yeah. That, that, oh, God, really? Oh, no. <laughs> Are you oh, kidding no. me? Was it at his reception? I was drunk. No, Are you really? kidding me? Okay, just I something you need to go I fix. I didn't think this happened. I just heard that it happened. Uh, <gasps> oh, no. Okay, go. No, let me. Well, I got to go. <laughs> let me go. Sarah, spin, I want to, Sarah, what? Oh, are you kidding me? I'm uploading just, the... That's okay. There's Adam. Okay, is it labeled penis? OMG, Richie and Dave's penis. D Richie, why is that on the station website? It's not. Sarah? It's on, that's what it says. It says, click oh, here to watch the tram video. it's in my Richie Radio YouTube. 
Okay. Sarah, was... where are you viewing this? On YouTube. I, w- I went to 970.am, and it says click here to watch the tram video. And yet it's linking <laughs> to something that has a penis. Uh, <laughs> can we go away? I know Rich- oh, my now. God, Richie. Richie, can we uh, delete that video entirely as of, like, right now? Sure. Can you go do that, please? Yes. Thanks. Uh, see, I thought the guy who was running okay, the I was sort of winding that. us up. Why would he? That be, was during the bachelor party. Why would it be posted on YouTube anyway? Who does that? And they're all walking around with not their, not yes. their, pride, their this parts was, hanging out, this but was like af- things shoved in their pants that look like. Parts. This was, you know, when you eat at the montage and you have leftovers, they sure. make you those giant oh, foil God. sculptures. Richie, they re-sculpted really? said things. <laughs> now remember that? Remember that? Tattoo? I can't wait to watch this tram video. Let's the whole family gathered around, and then it goes okay. to a thing labeled. OMG. Remember the text I sent you that yes, you won't let me say yes, on the air? Yeah. That is an evolution of that oh, video. Oh, God. All right. Where he and it's been his... viewed 72 times. Of course it Of course it has. Why wouldn't it? Not 69 times? Hey. Hopefully Les Moonves was one of those views. Well done. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Hi, Susan Reynolds, if you're listening. Happy Martin Luther King Day to you. So it, it, No it problems only... here. We're holding down the fort. It doesn't only just link to that. It also has before getting on. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, God, I misread that. Okay, I thought it said before getting it on, but it says before getting on. Well, well that's the bachelor party. There was things that were gotten on. Wow. Oh, there's the there's the hotline ringing. Let's see who this is. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. OMG is right. Oh, my God. So, uh, how you doing? We had nothing to do with this. Yeah, we had nothing to do with this. <laughs> I, I just... I'm driving. I'm almost driving off the road. <laughs> we. I only. I got this email from a listener, and I was like, "Is he screwing with us? Is he's not? Is he not?" And then I brought Richie in, and I. I. I have to tell you, up until the last moment, I fully expected Richie's reaction to be, "I don't know what he's talking about. He's screwing around with you." And as soon as I said, "Da da da da," Omg, penis. Richie kind of got his this face. This. Yeah, the, the look on his face was one of those. You know, it's like Uh-oh. yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's like when you uh, it's like when you realize you've uh, left your gun cabinet unlocked at home. So it's when you realize you've hit send on that one email and you yeah, can't you've hit, bring re- it you've back. hit reply all. <laughs> Jesus, all right, that video is being removed and expunged from the earth as we speak. And could I just ask? I'm I'm only assuming that it was the station camera that was used to take said oh, video. Uh, no, 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 I don't think so. I think this was. I think this was his own camera, but I think it was on his private YouTube account, and he must have just sent the wrong URL or something to Bridget. Yeah, well, this is what happens when you're drunk. <laughs> yes, so so you so it would seem. You know, yeah. uh, the the pimp squad strikes again. Yes, there's a yeah, there's going to be a talking to. Okie doke. Just just so you know, there's there's going to be a sit down and a discussion. See, the problem is that. Yes. What is, it, it doesn't take very much for Richie to get drunk and get that low level of, you know, accountability. Yeah. <laughs> it, would yeah. Like, it would take a lot for someone. You know what I think drink. our goal needs to be? I, 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 our, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Aaron, no, I'm just thinking how many, how much liquor it would take for me to create a fake penis and walk around. Let's with it not on my find pants. out. We've just got to learn how to pry the camera out of Richie's hands. I and not think so. I think there needs to be a no camera, no filming rule. When the Pim Squad is out and about from now on, uh, you know, I I say yes because uh, you know we don't need any more no. you know puking. We don't need no. any more of this. No, there's been enough puking and penis for a million lifetimes at this point. <laughs> I I think at this point it's like giving whiskey and car keys to a high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's uh 
That's going to be remedied uh, in mere minutes. All righty. I'm just going to get back to my day <laughs> off. You, you enjoy your holiday, Susan. Oh, I thank you. All right. Bye now. Bye now. Bye. Richie's very works very quickly and Susan is, is now gone. Is it gone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad the marketing director was able to hear this whole thing on the air. I saw it live. I didn't think I'd feel. It's like a nom flashback. Yeah, but you volunteered to be there at least. Does he get like wasted? I volunteered. Is he a compulsive exhibitionist? I volunteered to be there because Scott said, hey, will you go to this? And, you know, Scott's a friend, so I went. Do you get the feeling that Richie is a compulsive exhibitionist? Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't mean to be crude, but most, I would say, typically speaking, most guys fall on the would rather watch than be watched side of the line. There's people who, look, there's people who like to watch, people who don't, who like to be seen. Most guys, I think, fall on the the, the like to watch side. Don't, but I don't, think Richie, I don't want to be seen. I think Richie falls on the I like to be watched. Because remember when we were at the swingers club? Boy, doesn't it seem oh, like we was... just uncorked a whole thing with yeah. that? Yeah. I think very really proud of his ass. I, and he kept like we would do these photos, and again, none of the photos were crude in any way. We we're all fully clothed, obviously, but. We would like be in a room with a big bed, and Richie would immediately He'd pounce on it, jump on the bed like the Coppertone baby, just you know, sort of like like you know, striking a like a cherubic. Pose. And you know, as he left in his air in his ad, he heard a wow. <laughs> I think that um, we may have um, that it's our fault. Opened some sort of a door. No, because with the it, club no, thing. we didn't. Because no, that's he true. Was he was already filming women, sending things yeah. in for girls sending gone wild, sending submissions to girls gone wild. Maybe just altered his Kinsey scale a little bit. That's yeah, I, I'm with you on that. <clears throat> what was a what was a six is now a seven and a half. Yeah, everybody's a little seven once in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Richie says the camera was already taken away from him already. Yeah, I think Scott filmed that. Is this your station camera that was taken away from you, Richie, or your personal camera? Say personal. Which which camera was yeah? Which camera was taken away from you? Personal one, Richie. No, the one that I (laughs) used when we went to the tramer. I used a different one for that one. Yeah, but okay, all right. (laughs) So let me break. Okay, we're gonna take a break break here. Back after this, we'll wrap it up around the corner. Uh-huh. Live radio. That's wonderful. Here's the drive-by you truckers. Go that night. Yeah, I really am. I chose wisely. Well, you stay there. Taking the max blows if you have a bicycle. All right, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. By the way, for the guy who called earlier about this, yes, this song is called Since I Don't Have You uh, by Guns N' Roses. So there you go. Well, all right. I hate Max riders on the, or bike riders on the max. They annoy me. Well, and I ride my bike, but they just they swing it at it. Get out of my way! And they hang it up, and it just, they annoy me. Yeah. Well, sorry. Dying of fire. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I called earlier um, about the uh, uh, original rules for the uh, High Bob uh, drinking game. Have you been playing that drinking game since we last spoke? Yes, I have. Okay. What are you drinking today? Uh, vodka. What what brand of vodka, sir? Stalishnir. Still is Stalishnir. 
What's the second word there, Sarah? Astoli. He's saying the he's saying the whole name. Oh, okay. So, All right. Yeah. Yeah. So in any case, yeah. um, a, that just pales in comparison to <laughs> Ricky or Richie's um, uh-huh. uh, incredible uh, funness. Wow. You, His you, funness. Need, you, need, you need to keep you need to keep him on. He's so much more fun than any other. Uh, person that you've had. Yeah, Richie's so much more good, happy, fun time. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. Bye. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. So are we to assume that there is no genitalia involved in the tram video? But I was just saying, actually, all those poor people who are trying to find video of Richie's penis are having to watch a tram, so... Uh, well, you know, I, I, Rick... Oh. What? And no! What was wrong with that? I'm not using that word on the air. The tram! They're two big silver ones, and they dangle. Stop. Inside voice, interior monologue, exterior monologue. Jesus. <laughs> Hi, Susan. We're so deeply, deeply sorry. Please tell me we're done. Thank you. <laughs> How you doing, Aaron? <laughs> Rick Emerson's show produced today and every day by the lovely, talented, and incredibly tolerant and understanding Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio. A proud part of the CBS family. The network of Edward R. Murrow. It's the Tiffany Network. Stop. Uh, Tim Riley in the newsroom. Richie Bristol and his penis. On the phones, the gatekeepers Dave Zinn. But without it, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Bridget from upstairs is our imagerist. Uh, we want to thank uh, uh, Steve Kastenbaum and uh, Jim Roop. Uh, like us next on a mic at 7. See you all tomorrow. Uh, and uh, like us, blah, 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 all that. Don't let the pastor credit down. Bye now. Take care. Watch out for snakes.